Hello, and welcome to episode 102 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the best goddamn bartender from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon, for that matter, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Today, the unthinkable happened, and I won a Twitter argument. Ooh, wow, I want to get into that. <laughs> also joining us, you might remember her from her previous episodes, you might know her as the resident of Room 237, Gianna Bielsi. Say hello, Gianna. Hi. <laughs> on this week's episode, things that should be remade, things that shouldn't be remade, oh, other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Shining. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Um, we are drinking... Sorry, I have to get the right area of can. Toppling, jo- Toppling Goliath. I wrote the entirely wrong on the uh, page. Toppling Goliath Brewings. Pseudo Sue. Pale, pale Ale. Pseudo Sue. Are you... Do- Sorry, it sounded more. Like, I was thinking the way you were doing that. I was thinking of uh, was it Susudio? The uh, that's what I oh, did. Oh yeah, well, uh, <laughs> let me do it better. Um, wow, uh, brewing up history with Field Museum. The the writing on this can is really confusing. Because yeah, it's all in the the letters are all different sizes and things are sideways. It's it's tough. like Field is I one word, you. but it's on two lines, which is why I thought pseudo Sue was one word, but it's not. I looked it up online and it's actually two words: pseudo. Sue. Um, Not the real Sue, but a pseudo Exactly, Sue. fake Sue. Um, I gotcha. This fake single Sue. hop pale ale showcases the citra hop for a well-balanced beer that is delicate in body with Ooh. a mild bitterness in the finish. <laughs> That's Ferocious. How what? <laughs> That's how I feel about citra hops. I know. Ferocious hop aromas of citrus and mango give a refreshing taste that is bright with just enough bite. This beer smells fantastic. Um, would you say and that it has a ferocious hop aroma? Oh, it does kind of smell. It has, it has, <laughs> it's got a wonderful can art. And is this pseudo Sue like a Jurassic Park clone raptor reference? I, I guess so, but I don't know what the reference is. I was wondering that myself, and then I forgot to look it up. A dinosaur named Sue. Sue was cloned. Pseudo Sue. A boy named Sue. Cheers. <laughs> Let's give this one a taste. Oh yeah. G, you gotta cheers, damn it. What, G? No, wrong glass. It's like it's your first time or something. Just clink yourself. Yeah, well, you can't actually clink through the fucking It's so lonely over here. G's on fire today. If that's what you call it. Very fire. This is tasty. This is a, it's it's a lot more mellow than I expected it to be. To be honest, I'm disappointed with how ferocious the aroma of hops is. I would say that this is, like... A mild annoyance of hop aroma, not not full, <laughs> not all up in your. Not grill. fully ferocious. Um, it smells good though. It tastes delightful. Um, it is. It's tasty. It's not. I, like I said, I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be a much stronger flavor, but it's a little bit more on the mellow side. But I really like I would, it. It's. I would, say, like it I would say that it is a refreshing taste that is bright with just enough bite. Like what is it like supposed to be like citrusy or like? Yeah. Did you not hear me reading? No. Oh, no. I guess phone. zoned out because you were like choppy. <laughs> Mm. It smells awesome. citrusy though. Ferocious hop aromas of citrus and mango. <laughs> well, they did that very well. <laughs> um, would you say that oh, you have enjoyed what little of it you tasted before, considering you requested White Claw for this episode? I did request White Claw, but yes, I do like it actually. I, I should have called you White Claw in the intro. Yeah, we set you up. That's a me. good name. That's a the White Claw. It sounds yeah, it you sounds like it? a like, like a medieval warrior name. Bear Claw. <laughs> Josh Gad's best worst role. Oh my god. What a tremendous role. 
Uh, it drove me he's, nuts every time he was on it. I loved it. He's also like, Bear is he holding his eyes like cross-eyed the entire time? Like, what's going on there? He's doing something oh, with his he? face. It's very, yeah, it's very disturbing. I think it also could just be, maybe he doesn't blink. That might be what it is. Oh, he might not blink the entire he's time. Just, he is just too intense. Um, this beer, What's though... doing? I think her head's gonna explode. <laughs> this beer, though, came in a pint, um, which we love. It did. We love on this show. The, I like when it comes in pints because I can usually stretch it through most of the episode. Well, I'm only, when we have, like, I'm only getting two-thirds of it, so I'm gonna have a side beer later, so is Jay. And that's fair. That's fair. I, um... A little side beer. I, I think it's 6.8% alcohol by volume, because I looked it up online before we got started, and I think that's what I saw, but it's not on the can, which is disappointing. Um, mm. But I do really dig this... I think, it's, bury the I think it's a Velociraptor. Maybe it's a T-Rex. Whatever it's it is. It's more T-Rexy. It's pretty great. It's got more volume. Yeah. It's, it's, Did, you, so would you, would you, you say that you this... Choose this one? Would you say it's juicy? <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this dinosaur is pretty juicy. Yeah. This, this dinosaur uh, is as juicy as the beer itself. Pretty pretty voluptuous. Did you, did you choose this one with the dinosaur because the last time she was on was Jurassic Park? No, she just said that, though. Like, oh, why didn't we do this for Jurassic World? I said, I don't know, because we did that like a year ago, and because I got this, <laughs> yeah, we didn't have have this beer like three months ago. <laughs> you could have researched. Mm, that's true. Although, the beer we did last week was from seven years ago, so that's... It was not seven years. All right, it was two. Yeah, it was probably like two. Shall <laughs> 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 we get into some news and nuggets? Sure. How many you got this week? Um, Approximately. I have three news, one of which will be okay. reading... Um, and then we're going to do some what we're watching that's more tailored towards Gianna. Thank you. Okay. Give us a... You know you're on the microphone, right? Stop whispering. No, I have like a cold, so like I just can't get anything out. (laughs) Uh, A scratch. It's a little scratch. Uh, give us a, give us a new. Uh, okay. Let's do a new about the Batman. Which, Mm. according to Kevin Smith, will be based on the long Halloween story arc. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I did not know that was happening. I'm surprised. Is that, is that for real? I figured you would have heard it because he. This was this came out a few days ago. I've been sitting on this news for a few days. Um, I will do a abbreviated reading here. We don't know much about what Matt Reeves is planning for his Batman movie, but one thing that he keeps saying is that it will be a dark noir thriller that will heavily feature Batman in detective mode. We'll finally get yes. to see Batman as the world's greatest detective. We also know that there will be. Mo- I'm the world's greatest detective. <laughs> we also know that there will be multiple villains involved. According to Kevin Smith, the story for the film will be based on the classic comic book story arc, The Long Halloween. During his oh, latest fantastic. episode of Fat Man Beyond, Smith's co-host Mark Bernardin um, addressed reports that this movie will adopt that story arc. For which, to which Smith responded, "To be fair, I heard it too, and I heard it from a good source too." That's fantastic. That's really exciting. That makes me very he happy. He has a lot of ties to the entertainment industry and DC Entertainment, and for him to say that he's heard that info from a good source says there actually could be truth to this. The Long Halloween was written by Jeff Loeb with artwork by Tim Sale, and the story is set during the early days of Batman's crime-fighting career as a killer is murdering people during the holidays. It takes place over the course of a year and includes several of Batman's rogue gallery of villains. Here is the synopsis. Christmas, St. Patrick's Day, Easter. As the calendar's days stack up, so do the bodies littered in the streets of Gotham City. A murderer is loose, killing only on holidays. The only man that can stop the fiend, the Dark Knight. In a mystery taking place during Batman's early days of crime fighting, Batman the Long Halloween is one of the greatest Dark Knight stories ever told. Working with District Attorney Harvey Dent and Lieutenant James Gordon, Batman races against the calendar as he tries to discover who Holiday is before he claims his neck victim each month. 
A mystery that has the reader continually guessing the identity of the killer, this story also ties into the events that transform Harvey Dent into Batman's deadly enemy, Two-Face. Yeah, it's so good. If you haven't gotten a chance to read that, I suggest you do so. I, I read that a few I years have, ago, and I really enjoyed it. I have not read it, but my guess would have just been that is Holiday not Calendar Man? I'm just gonna... <laughs> <laughs> let's just let, let folks... I don't want to ruin anything. It's because it's one of my favorites. <laughs> so it, I, I just suggest reading it. We could talk about it all. Gee, time. I know you're not a big uh, Batman fan. Were you aware that there is, in fact, a villain named Holo- uh, no, Calendar Man? <laughs> it did not, actually. <laughs> Killer who's only killing on holidays. That would be my bet. Yeah, it, the, uh, the, the transformation of Harvey is, is... I think it the building out of that character and that kind of influenced... Uh, his character arc in Dark Knight a lot. Okay. The way that they, the way that they just like work with that character specifically, because they did a tremendous job in that movie, and I feel like that was a there was a tre- tremendous job done with him in that specific run. So uh, heavy influence there, but like that's that was that's probably when I think you had asked me a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Joker movie, um, like what favorites were, and I brought up Long Halloween. Uh, yeah, that does sound familiar. But either way, I figured that this would be an interesting story to you. I I guess I figured you would have seen or heard of it because I know that you listen to at least some of his podcasts, right? Yeah, I haven't I haven't listened to Fat Man Beyond in a while. Um, but it's just he puts out so much content. Yeah, it's a little difficult to keep up with everything. How many podcasts does he have now? Does he have like three? Uh, if not more, I mean, there's Hollywood Babylon, Smodcast, Fat Man Beyond, Education. I don't know how many of those are still going or like how often they are running, but uh, I really enjoy Ho- right. Hollywood Babylon. That's I forgot that's the one that you listen to the most often. Yeah, but uh, oh my god, my, my podcast list has has built up over the. Over, I haven't like listened as religiously over the past few months, so like I have got like this crazy backlog. So it's been difficult because like I keep up mostly with the gaming ones. I had that issue because that's where I get most of my gaming news. I had that issue recently with work, and then I did two straight weeks where I was working overnight every day mm. um in which case i had all the time to listen because i was spending most of my time alone inside of a department store ceiling uh so i pretty much had the freedom to listen to whatever i wanted to at three in the morning five in the morning covered in insulation and dirt um so i hope at some point you were playing music and you just like really feeling the music and started dancing to it and then somewhere you're on some security footage <laughs> just breaking it down i mean there's definitely a lot of security footage of me just from the waist down because you know from the waist (laughs) up i was inside the ceiling um (laughs) that's pretty great (laughs) standing very precariously on top of a scissor lift 25 feet in the air nice um (laughs) what could go wrong (laughs) yeah no uh, a lot of things actually uh (laughs) who's gonna put humpty dumpty back together again that's what i want to know gianna are you gonna be there Hmm? A, wow. <laughs> you didn't even look at the phone that time. Can you listen to us? No, I was listening, out. but like, yeah. G- if I fell off the Gianna, what, what podcast no, do you listen that. to, if any? Um, Call Her Daddy on Barstool. What is that? Yeah. yeah. It's the best one. What is that? It's like what every college girl aged. College aged He wasn't girl. asking me what it is. I don't oh, listen to Oh, no, I'm just saying. It. It's like what <laughs> He's every college aged girl listens to. What is the show about? They just talk about like boys and drinking and all that sort of stuff. Oh. Yeah. Not, it was, not, it's not it's for your it's not your kind of audience. I'm not a know. fan of Barstool's work. College girl, the podcast. That's that's basically yeah, what that's it what is. Yeah, that's what it should be called. Basic, basic, <laughs> that's basic, what, basic that's what it should be called. Yes. 
Awesome. Uh, very excited about the long Halloween. Uh, hoping that that's actually what happens there. Uh, I wonder if it'll be like one of those things where it's heavily influenced or if it's an adaptation. Well, that's what, it's it, an adaptation, that's what it said that would be below, cool. is it feels like it's the type of thing where they're, they're drawing on it very much like thematically, but not doing oh, a okay. direct adaptation of it. That's that's fine, too, because I, I, if they want to write, you know, do their own original story type. Well, that's what a lot of the great. best comic movies on both like DC and, and Marvel then is, you know, drawing from the best of the best, you know, I mean, the greatest hits of some of these things without doing just a strict adaptation of any one storyline. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Halloween, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween. I've, we had we've talked about this before. I think I've uh, until the Phantom Thread. I think I said that Halloween Two was the worst movie I had ever seen, uh, and then that was surpassed by Roma. So Halloween Two is the third worst movie I've ever. I seen. forgot that you hate Roma more than you hate the yeah. Phantom Thread. I absolutely do. Um, those are some good episodes I, you should listen to. Uh, us complaining about those. I was. I, I mean, I've, I've gone... You can go back and listen. I've, I've gone off on Halloween 2 numerous times. Yes. Uh, because I really... I did like the first one. I liked the first one that he did. Well, his first one. A lot. Okay. I thought it was really good. Uh, and he's... So, there's a little bit of buzz going on with him right now. Three from Hell had a trailer that dropped, which is the third movie in his, like, Devil's Rejects kind of franchise yeah, deal yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'll see because I find his movies to be interesting. I actually think they're pretty good. They are cr- they are cringy and a little bit difficult to watch. I kind of get that's the point uh, with some of the stuff that he does. Uh, but the first two, I, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing this. And what the article was going into was how miserable of an experience he had making Halloween and Halloween 2 because of the wine scenes. They, it was like a very difficult and annoying time. And... Uh, he said the first movie was horrible to make, but it did so well that he thought that they were like, don't, th- during that time, it was like, don't screw this up. And that's why it was so bad. So when he inevitably agreed to do the second, he thought it would be better, but it turned out, then it became, don't screw up this thing that's already doing so well. And it just like, could, I guess, couldn't do the, do it the way he wanted to, or maybe he did, but it was like frustrated the entire time. And I think that translates well to the movie that, uh, you, you fit, you up to date on Shit's Creek? Um, no, I saw the first four seasons. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch the fifth because I can't watch it on my phone unless I'm going to watch it one minute at a time. So fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, more on that later. Uh, the uh, so, uh, but it's basically you know the movie that Moore is making, The Crows Have Eyes Three. Oh, yeah. uh, that's what Halloween Two feels like to me. <laughs> and I, that kind of that that tracks with what he was saying about the about making it, which I think was kind of interesting. So I'm curious to see. Uh, I am curious to see his next movie. It seems like that's the uh, case we'll a lot to... with those things that aren't necessarily planned as being franchises that just blow expectations out of the water and then they like force you to continue making them because Right. And they're like but then they're like don't kill the golden goose, but at the same time they keep throwing axes at the golden goose. Right. And like you have to try to both nurture the golden goose and protect it from being killed at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Do great things again with the same thing. Go. Go. Don't screw it <laughs> Just up. Just do the Just same do it right thing. right now. Right now. Do it right now. Don't screw it up. <laughs> that's that's what their producers are like. Just do everything exactly the same all over again. Do it the way you did last Just time. Just really put a two on it and just release it again. I wish they would do that one day. <laughs> well, I was going more for the uh, the 22 Jump yeah. Street joke. Yeah. Just do the same yeah. thing over again, guys. <laughs> Korean Jesus doesn't have time for your problems. What's the next thing on your list of news and nuggets? Um, 
I think you've said you haven't watched the show yet, but the show is so good that we're going to talk about it anyway. Fargo okay. Season 4 is announcing its casting, and Timothy Oliphant just joined the cast for the fourth season. Um, like he pops up in everything. Yeah, well, he's done some <laughs> the work. The show with Bat Landry. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was in Season 2. Um, Justified star Timothy Oliphant is returning to FX with a key role in the upcoming fourth installment of the network's anthology series Fargo, headlined by Chris Rock, which I actually either didn't know or forgot about that because... I think it's been like two years since the third season came out. Um, mm. Created, written, directed, and executive produced by Noah Hawley, who also serves as showrunner. Season four is set in 1950 in Kansas City, Missouri. The locale serves as the crossroads and collisions of two migrations, Southern Europeans from countries like Italy and African Americans who left the South in great numbers to escape Jim Crow, both fighting for a piece of the American dream. In Kansas City, two criminal syndicates, one Italian, led by Donatello Fada, one African American, led by Loy Cannon, played by Chris Rock, have struck an uneasy peace with the heads of both families having cemented by trading their youngest sons. <laughs> Oliphant plays a character named Dick Deffy Wickware in a major recurring What? Role. <laughs> uh, D- Dick Wickware with Deffy, D-E-A-F-Y in quotations. I guess that's his nickname. Um, Where did you get that nickname from? Not like, well, I guess we'll find out in season four of Fargo. If you have to ask. <laughs> in, in addition to, I don't know what that means. In addition to... <laughs> In addition to Rock, Oliphant joins previously cast Jack Houston, Jason Schwartzman, Ben Weishaw, Jesse Buckley, Salvatore Esposito, Andrew Bird. <laughs> Thank you. Can we just have you in every episode to do things like that? Just constantly. You could just be like our living soundboard. Oh, I like that show. Santa Clarita Diet? I did, actually. We didn't get there yet. I'm God. sorry. I reread. I reread. Jeremy Harris, <laughs> Gaetano Bruno, Angie White, Francesco Aquarali. Amiri Crutchfield, Amber Mid-Thunder, and Yuzo Aduba. Um, it is oh, I like her. She, she's awesome. I don't actually know her. She's from Orders New Black. Ah, okay. Um, it's Suzanne. Production begins this fall in Chicago for premiere on FX in 2020. Um, she Suzanne. Getting to the point that Gianna wanted to jump to. <laughs> Oliphant had been nominated for a starring role in FX's drama series Justified is coming off a three-season run, three run in a co-starring role opposite Drew Barrymore on Netflix's Santa Clarita Diet. He also recently starred and executive produced HBO's Deadwood the movie. And he can currently be seen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I forgot that he was in that. Yeah. This is a good, uh, good character. Um, you said you're a fan of Fargo. Is that one of the ones that I need to have on my list? Or it wouldn't be... Um, yeah, no, uh, definitely watch Fargo. It's really good. The first season and the second season are, like, incredible. The third season's very good. Um, it's an anthology in that the cast is new every season, and it takes place in a different time and place, but they are all within the same universe, and characters and storylines either directly or through... Like, histories and things like that. Either directly or through mentioning, like, in the first season... Um, what's his name is oh um, Allison Tolman plays a cop and her father is played by Keith Carradine and in the second season it takes place like 30 years earlier and there's a young girl who plays young Allison Tolman and younger Keith Carradine is played by Patrick Wilson hmm um, and That's then kind- in like the th- in that season as well there was someone else there was a reference to someone else who shows up in another part of like the timeline or whatever and both of those take place in like a similar area of like Fargo and 
uh, Bemidji and all those areas up north. Um, uh, I actually forget exactly where the third season took place. If it was in the same place, that was like present day. The first season, I think, was in like supposed to take place in like two thousand six or something like that. Mm. Um, and the second season what was I- in the seventies. Oh, okay. So we're going backwards. Yeah. So this is going to be the furthest back in the timeline. Now, have you seen the movie? Yes. The movie, I imagine, does it just take place in the same universe? I don't actually think they canonically take place in the same universe. Um, oh, interesting. The Coens wrote and directed that, and they also executive produced the show. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't. I mean, maybe they have some like actual contribution, but to my knowledge, they're not part of the nitty gritty all the time. Um, Noah Hawley so is the guy it's who like the same... it and all that. Same in name and style, but not. Yeah, it's meant to be. It's like line. similar, although technically they like halfway through the season canonically became part of the same universe. But it was gonna say similar to like what we do in the shadows, where it's like meant to be thematically the same, but then. Gotcha. Um, the three of them from the movie cameoed in one episode late in the first season. Actually, it was, or was it the finale? It was one of the last couple episodes of the finale of the of the season. So, um. I think it's. Yes. I don't think it's supposed to be. It's just supposed to be like the same like tone and concept of like, kind of relatively, like normal people getting swept up into big criminal things that they shouldn't really be a part of. That's cool. Do you have what's another, what's another movie that you'd like to see get that treatment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like this. I feel like there's probably something fantastic that we could think of well, that, that I would, would really that shine. Spiritually, it's been done a million times, but I would. My, one of my first thoughts would be The Departed, but there's been a million shows. I, that, that, I knew you were. I knew you were going to say that. There's been a million shows that have done that, including the one that I think the season, the first season, already might have ended, and I wanted to get to it, and I haven't got to it yet. City on the Hill, which is on Showtime. Okay, I think that aired over the summer. Yeah, that could be cool. Kevin Bacon, and but if that's. That's interesting because it's like uh, the Departed is part of an existing. Like I feel like I don't. I haven't now. I have not seen Fargo, uh, movie or show. But it almost seems like being successful in doing the show. They it's it's kind of its own genre. Yeah, um, I mean, like whereas the Departed wouldn't really fall into that category. I feel like because it's it's been done to death as a style or type of movie or TV show. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's a million mm-hmm. other things you could do I, this is, I we're gonna have a new segment called homework and we're gonna come back next time with an answer to this question i guess we oh, we should do like produce a show is that that's what the segment could be <laughs> we, we disappear for a few months and we come back we've have a pilot <laughs> we've, we've been picked up by hbo uh. <laughs> oh man cool um so mortal kombat has started production. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just saw something about it the other day and had completely forgotten that they were doing that again. What are your thoughts on that? Is it a show or a movie? It's a movie. Hmm. Did we get any casting yet? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me see, let me pull that up real quick. Did you... Were, were you a fan of the original? Um, Originals? For my part at that time when it came out and when I was seeing it yeah. and like it was the time when I would get to play it, the game like once or twice a year when we would be by you. Um... I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's very bad, um, but I thought it was fun. Oh yeah, oh, it's a it's a it's a garbage pile of a movie. It's a uh, we've talked about bad movie night um, uh, before on the show. This is a Mortal Kombat is a movie that would fit 
fits the criteria. I don't know like, if it does though, because I think wide it might release, be a good bad movie. Uh, it's not though. <laughs> it's you have you have uh, fond memories of watching it. I have watched it more recently. Okay, it's not a, a good bad movie. Okay, it's a it's a rough it's a rough movie. Because typically good bad movies are exempt from bad movie nights. That's true. I guess I mean if you were to pick between this, it would be and Street Fighter. Street Fighter would be the clear winner for bad movie night. Yeah, that's probably true. I haven't seen. I've seen a couple of clips, but I haven't actually seen it. It's not so, the movie's not supposed to have any redeeming qualities. Um, <laughs> I dare, I dare say that the the song is a redeeming quality, so maybe it wouldn't fit the criteria. Mortal Kombat? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, do, don't they use that for, like, dull songs and, like, hockey and shit like that? Uh, probably. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, the second movie is ridiculous. Uh, I, I, I'm interested. I, like, I, I feel like it could be a fun movie to remake and have, like, and, and, like, going at it with having a good time. Like, not trying to be overly serious about it. I think... Fun is probably the operative word. If it's not fun, then there's no point in trying to make the movie. Like, they need to lean into being as ridiculous as possible, which is part of why I felt like it worked as a good-bad movie, was they leaned into it being super cheesy. Yeah, could you imagine if they took, like, a super serious route? You'd come out of that movie being like, what? what?" (laughs) Basically, like, a bad bad version of Karate Kid. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes. Oh my god, it would be it would be absurd. The uh, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. I it's not when when I hear they're remaking Mortal Kombat, I'm not up in arms about that. I'm like, all right, let's see where that goes. That was a good if transition. Have, yeah. So thank you. Uh, so in other news, uh, there's buzz about a Princess Bride remake, which is just a tr- just a horrendous idea. Uh, I think it's. But, I, I would see. <gasps> Oh, I don't think it needs Gianna, to be done. I thought, I thought we were actually going to have you on the rest of the show, but you've been cut. Uh, <laughs> I don't think oh, it no, needs actually, to okay. be done, but I feel like I'd see it just to, like, you know, with an open mind, unlike you're going to go into it with. That's that's fair. I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely wrong by hating on something before it exists. Sure. I, I, I accept that. I'm not changing my mind, but... I think and the I'm special effects my, in it I'm could proving be my ignorance here. <laughs> uh... The special effects could be cool. It could take a different... It, I just feel like what makes that movie so special is the cast of characters and their chemistry together. That's true. And also, Loki, great script. Uh, yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah, they're just going to keep... The, um, yeah, they're going to like... The thing is, when you're remaking a movie, it should be one of only a couple reasons. One, it's a movie that had a great premise that was lost to incompetence or just time. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. hit to a big audience. It maybe had like a bit of a cult-like following, but not like didn't become super mainstream something that's super old and that like having new technology or a new take on it or a modernizing of the story would make sense or three if it's something that was like an indie film that you wanted to make as a more big budget thing and none of those three things applies to this it's only 30 something years old um or i guess almost 40 years old whatever um it's not something that making it big budget or bigger budget is going to vastly improve. Um, and it's an actual classic movie. It is a an excellent movie in its own right. So you're not improving upon yeah. the material. You're just hoping you can be as good. Right, right. And it's just like, what's the... It, well, that's the thing. It's like, if you if you go into that movie and you remake it and you change anything, I'm, it's going to be like, why? Yeah, uh, it, there, there's no... 
there's no I don't want to call it a perfect movie the way I did with Cloud Atlas a couple episodes ago um, but it's really not that far away like really what would you substantially improve it's wonderful there's no yeah, there's I, no fatal flaws to that movie in any way shape or form the weird pig thing they mean, could improve that you mean the rodent of unusually yes, large size yes that, that thing they could improve yeah. that <laughs> the weird pig thing uh that maybe that one particular if they spent the entire movie budget just to re just to computer generate that scene and then the rest of the movie's the same all right <laughs> that could be funny you completely but, you no, com- your, your punchline completely got cut out what's up i said your punchline got completely cut out oh <laughs> We're both just sitting here like, oh, he looks so happy. Um, but yes, I agree. Um, but if you're going to do that, just like Lucasify the R-U-L-S's. The rats. Like, don't... Yeah. Like R-U-S's. Unusually large size? R-U-L-S? Rodents of unusual size, I thought it was. I thought it was, I thought it was R-U-L-S. Uh, rodents of unusually large size? I think it's R-O-U-S. I don't know, maybe it is. Huh. I could be wrong. The... The thing is, you can't. There's there's certain things that like the Mandy Patinkin delivering that line can't be done by somebody else. Uh, Billy Crystal can't be done by somebody else. Like that's I mean, the, honestly, the you should just have him reprise the role. Probably that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be that would be the redeeming quality of the movie is having him come back. Or like Carrie always is like maybe like a little bit like older makeup on and he's the grandpa of reading the story like that could be kind of fun oh, too oh that would be cool yeah but that's the thing is like even um, even those two like the grandfather and grandson are like perfectly like well cast like you're not really doing yeah. better than the rest of the main cast they all pulled their weight like you know um mm-hmm. I, I don't i just don't know what improvement you're making on it like it it's not even something that you could do like a quote unquote modernizing cuz it's meant to be like a tolkienesque like fantasy like novels yeah. so it's not you're not bringing that into the 21st century it's going to be done in the same right. style yeah, unless it's going to do it, like it's... Romeo plus Juliet and do it in like the streets of like LA you know what I mean <laughs> all, all, oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> all all it would do is make me just want to continue to rewatch the old one but which is fine more reasons to rewatch the old one yeah fine by me uh Carrie always though had the greatest response to this which his line was, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one. Which is Ooh. tremendous. And a mic drop moment, if there ever was wow. one. Which yep. is like, you can't make the movie after that. Like, no. he won. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's, it's great, because he really didn't even have to stretch the line that much. <laughs> he changed one word. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm with him on that one. So... I'm going to let you take it away from here because we burned through my last two news because they coincided so nicely together. It was a natural transition. Um, and you're going to want to brace yourself for this one because it's a topic that was near and dear to our heart, especially much of last year during our recording of episodes. Um, hey, hang on. Like, legit? Am I going to be upset? Are you going to make me sad right now? Um, not as sad as you might have been if this came out a year ago. Um, oh, okay. From The Ringer, headline, Movie Pass is dead. For real. This <laughs> For real yeah. this time. R.I.P. Yeah. A company that was too good to be true. The, sc- yeah. the subscription service will shut down on Saturday. Its business plan never made any sense. But for a brief moment, it gave moviegoers a reason to go to the theater, no matter how bad the movie. September 14th. Mark it down as the day. Going to see bad movies died. 
On Friday afternoon, MoviePass's parent company Helios and Matheson informed subscribers, apparently there were still subscribers, that the service would be shutting down because its efforts to recapitalize MoviePass have not been successful to date. It's unclear what will happen to the movie theater subscription service next. Helios could sell off the company and its assets, including MoviePhone and MoviePass Films, which, incredibly and fittingly, had a hand in financing John Travolta's sublimely good-bad film Gotti, or it could simply <laughs> shutter the service and hang on to the user data it harvested over the past three years. I think what's funny here is, like, even if a person that has gone bankrupt a thousand times would probably look at this plan and go, that doesn't make any financial sense. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. It's not, it's not surprising at all. G, I get what they were trying to do. G, were you familiar not surprising. with MoviePass? I wasn't, actually. Okay, so what it was is... It, it sounds was familiar, though. The subscription service that you paid, what was it, like $10 a month? Some, yeah, 10 a month. $10, $10 a month, and you can go see as many movies as you want per month. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Yes. Uh, it also makes sounds like, as Anthony said, there's no way that this no. could possibly work as a business. There's like another company that does that too, though. Well, all of the things, and we'll hear about that in this later on in this article. Um, all of the big chains like AMC, like Cinemark, like all like all those things, like Regal, they came up with their own versions of this that were priced much more appropriately yeah. to actually be able to make money. Cinemark's um, is clutch. Yeah. Well, that's not. That's I feel like that's I not now. as big of a chain though as like something like Regal or like AMC because like. Oh I've, no, I, it's it's not. I was say I've only ever heard of the one by you, so. Yeah, well, I, I, there's a few, but uh, over here, but like, they're they're if you if you're near one, if it's your theater, like it is, it's in my opinion, it's the best deal because it's I'm paying nine ninety eight a month for I get the ticket, I get one ticket with that, I get twenty percent off concessions, and every ticket I buy is that price. Okay. So and like, and up doesn't to two it have like a, a reward? So like, if me and Kim go to the movies, like, and I've already used my credit for that month, hmm? it doesn't it have like a rewards thing too for you, like turning off your phone and shit like that? They used to have that. They don't do the. They don't do that anymore. Oh, okay. um, you get points now, like for other things. Okay. Um, I like that though. Continuing on, this day has been a long time coming. To be more specific, this day has more or less been coming since July twenty seventh, twenty eighteen. The day of Mission Impossible Fallout's release, when thousands of users were unable to access the service. Up until that point... Movie- oh my god, that's great. <laughs> Up until that point, MoviePass had been the key to unlocking a movie-going utopia. A cheat code of sorts that, at its peak, cost only $9.95 a month to see an unlimited amount of movies in theaters. But the service failure of July 27th laid bare many of the company's flaws, and confirmed that basically what basically everyone suspected, but had quelled with an endless amount of ticket stubs and popcorn. That MoviePass was too good to be true. As the company's Twitter account assured users that the app was simply experiencing technical issues, in reality, MoviePass had been locked out of using its line of credit by its bank. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) That weekend was a realization that we can't necessarily provide the service we had been providing, which was unlimited. Every movie all the time. MoviePass's then Executive Vice President Khalid Edom told me in January, Edom left the company in March. Despite multiple relaunches, restructuring of payment plans, and rebrands, shout out the director of marketing. There's a link to that, and I don't know what it is. I haven't read it. Don't click that. Um, (laughs) The the company never recovered after that day. Subscriber numbers plummeted. Competitors like AMC Stubbs A-List emerged, and MoviePath continued to falter and face criticism. Over allegedly barring users from canceling their subscriptions and over leaving thousands of credit card numbers exposed because a critical server wasn't password protected. (laughs) 
that is incredible. <laughs> right? What a, what a garbage fire. This is <laughs> that the service is officially ending is less surprising than the fact that it made it this far into 2019. But while MoviePass's legacy will undoubtedly be colored by these grand failures, it's hard not to take this shuddering the same way you would your dumbest but most loyal and idealistic friend moving away. MoviePass's <laughs> business plan made zero sense. Literally. It was like a bank giving you a dollar for every 25 cents you deposit. Was how Wedbush Securities <laughs> analyst Michael Pactor explained it to me in January. But it also created a brief moment in time when using it felt like getting away with a crime and a sense of community amongst users. Just a bunch of low-rent criminals going to see The Snowman. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. There was a there was a period of time where, Gianna, you're probably not familiar with this, but there was like maybe like a 12-episode span of our movie pass check-in because i refused to believe that it was going to work i spent oh, you definitely first, got your the, money worth oh yeah the first i bought it as soon as i heard about it i was like I'll, i was like this isn't gonna work i'll bite and i tried it and it worked and i was like holy shit i got a movie ticket and then i tried it again and i was like oh my god <laughs> and then i kept doing it and it kept working and i was like this is gonna be right and then i inevitably switched to cinemark's plan long before this had gone downhill uh, just because I appreciate, I, I want to keep the theaters open and like, so, and I thought like they had a pretty great deal. So I switched like well before that, but still at any time we heard news on that, it was just like, this is, this is about right. Well, that's why I figured we had to do this, um, like what's it called? Um, eulogy for it. Um, mm. more importantly, it raised real questions about the efficacy of the theater going business, whether the system we currently have, the system that won out is really best for consumers. MoviePass's success, which quickly hit a level that threatened to put them out of business, is evidence theatergoers <laughs> are interested in a different model than what traditional exhibitors like AMC offer. And the company's effects on the industry can be seen both it, during both its swell and decline. In 2018, the year of MoviePass's explosion, box office sales were up 7% for a record-breaking total of $11.9 billion. This year, the box office is currently off that pace by 6.3%, despite record-breaking gains by movies like Avengers Endgame and The Lion King. In a January interview, MoviePass CEO Mitch Lowe claimed that the company had accounted for 6% of all ticket sales in the first half of 2018, and while MoviePass clearly didn't have the capital to be purchasing that many tickets and then selling them back to users at an extreme discount, it was at least onto something. As far as industry disruptors go, the first ones to do it are rarely the last ones. Cinemia, one of MoviePass's first competitors, also folded this year. Some company may figure out how to do the movie ticket subscription service in the future. But it will be on the back of MoviePass's successes and its failures. Two weeks ago, 15 days before the death of MoviePass, The Fanatic was released, a movie directed by Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit, in which John Travolta plays a deranged stalker with a bad haircut. It looks horrible. Oh God. By all accounts, it was horrible. But I wouldn't know. The only way I would have seen that thing is if a tech company gone wrong had basically paid me to. <laughs> That's wonderful. This is, uh, if you... If you paused there and ended that story with, it was seven days in hell, <laughs> I, would I, I would believe that it was one of those mockumentaries on, on HBO. Uh, what if it was just some, some crazy rich person that just wanted to keep the movies alive? Who really just disrupt the industry? <laughs> I mean, there are worse passion, passion projects, I guess. Taking one for the team. Taking a few million for the team. Uh, that's insane. That this it's insane that it honestly that it went on this long. <laughs> it's like the type of thing that shouldn't have lasted more than like six months. 
Yeah, like with the, after in the first week, the bank should have been like, "Where, where are you gonna pay for this from? Like, how is this gonna happen?" There are so many times that someone should have stopped them. The bank should not have oh, yeah. allowed them that much capital to begin with. Your plan is to buy tickets for fifteen to twenty dollars, and then give them to your users for free, and they're only gonna pay you ten dollars a month. But you're gonna be giving them one to ten tickets a month, right? Because if you use one ticket a month. They're still losing money. Yes. And as soon as you start... The only way that they're not losing money is if you don't use the service. And even then, <laughs> they're still not making enough money to justify. Like, they're still right. not at their break-even point. Yeah. And then... What if it was a different scam, and they set this up, and the app just never worked, and then they ran with the money? <laughs> it was one month of subscribers. I mean, that would have been, been more realistic. That have done that. <laughs> That's basically what Big Baller brand Lonzo Ball's shoe company did. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's this is this is just absurd. Well, rip movie pass. Rip. What else you got? Um, let's do some what we're watching because Gianna kind of okay. got shut out a lot of a lot of that. Um, so let's talk about three different things that Gianna is, was, or will be watching. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. You get to drive. Oh, okay. So I've been watching Shameless. Okay. I'm like three episodes in, so... Two. How, like, like, from the beginning, or you are a fan of the oh, show? Oh, no, and from like, the new, a new season, season that's out. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. This is a, this, you're a fan of this, this show? Do you watch this too, Al? I, I don't know. Yeah. Is Anthony the one to watch it, or is that Alex Firestone? Um, no, I think um, my buddy Schaefer um, watches it. No. Yes, 100%. He loves that show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know that he occasionally uh, listens to the show, right? <laughs> Hi, Schaefer. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I, it's a show that I, I, don't, I've, I don't watch. I don't know really anything about it. It just seems like it's a show about horrible people. Yeah, that... it makes you want to become a crim- criminal. It's kind of nice. A criminal? Criminal. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cri- criminal. Was like kind of You're halfway there. <laughs> you just rubbed that. <laughs> oh, my like God. They're all, like scam artists. It's, it's, it's a great show. You know? I think we need a which rug rat are you quiz. That's, oh, that'd be good. I'll have to get that in the works. <laughs> All right, so how's that so far? Were you four episodes in, you said? Yeah, I want to say like three or four episodes in. I like it. Wait, is, it's is the season that far in, or is the season much further ahead? No, it's, on, it's on Netflix that just got released. Oh. oh, so this came out. This is the season yeah. from last year then, or earlier this I year? I think or so, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just a, a few episodes in. What on was this, like the seventh season or something like that? Um, I'm not Jesus. sure. I want to say eight, actually. Okay, I was close. That's insane. I didn't realize that show had been on that long. Yeah, it was one that I wasn't really familiar with until around like the fourth season. Like I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't know about it till much later into it. Yeah, it's on season. How did you get into it? How did I get into it? Yeah. Oh, all my friends watch it. It's just like one of those things. And finally, I was just like, okay, I guess I'll watch it. And I like fine. I'll be part of the conversation. This looks stupid. (laughs) And then I watched. I was like, oh, like they're all criminals. This is kind of great. How how quickly did you get into it? Um, was it like a, I'm going to watch this whole season tonight? Yeah, like, it, I got oh, into okay. it pretty quickly. Most shows I'm not like that with, but, like, it's just very fast-paced, so. Oh, is, it, is, it, is it a half-hour hour show? It's an hour. Oh. Interesting. An hour, uh, an hour show that you get into that quickly is, is actually pretty impressive. It's very fast-paced. It's about, like, a family that, um, the, the dad's, like, Sucks. a crazy drug addict, and they're all like... <laughs> And they're all like, they're all just crazy because of it because they all are trying to pay the rent for the house and whatever. And they have like a little 
little sibling that they're trying to take care of too so like they're all doing their own sort of deal to try and like make money and survive and shit it's kind of fun to a certain extent it strikes me as like a slightly more realistic version of always sunny but like one family including like kids and adults you know what i mean where it's like Mm. what's the scheme we're gonna do this week you know what i mean like gang you know what i mean like but obviously always sunny is very heightened and hyperbolic and like you know it sounds like this is slightly more grounded like it's always sunny is seinfeld on a fever dream and shameless is seinfeld on crack yes well only some of them (laughs) (laughs) the dad specifically what's his name uh william h macy yes william h macy on crack also d and dennis get addicted to crack twice on always Sunny. oh yeah i'm, I'm aware <laughs> i've never watched that show oh that's so, so great you gotta watch I feel like that. i should everyone oh, talking so. about the new season starts you, next week you know what uh, I, i'm not sure i'm i've i think i've only gotten up to the third or fourth season and then i've seen like sporadic episodes here and there mm. my problem with that show it's not a really necessarily a problem i i enjoy it i find it very funny i can't watch more than two episodes oh yeah in a row. i found when i was binging it and i was going through like 11 seasons at that time or 10 seasons um because i was watching it a lot at work um so i would have to like watch it in like 15 minute increments and then i'd have to like like dump the cash for like five minutes like just be like nope this is so uncomfortable. I need to like yeah. walk away and think about something else for five minutes before I come back because it's making me physically uncomfortable. Not just from laughing so hard, but just like this is disgusting what these people do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's like and a I, show. I feel. Oh, sorry. What were we gonna say? I said that's like a show I treated like um like How I Met Your Mother, like Friends, where you could just pick up anywhere and start watching. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I've ever really had yeah. a desire to like sit yeah. down and actually watch all the seasons. The thing is, uh, Friends. most Friends always, is so good. Most Always <laughs> yes. Sunny episodes, you can just jump into that episode. But yeah. a lot of them carry like the threads through from like stuff that's gone on. Because there's recurring jokes, there's recurring characters. I mean, yeah, well, so do, like sure, Friends and How I Met Your Mother. But like, yeah, exactly. Like those shows are. That's what, and I think that's great. I love a show that's like that. This one, this one, I found more so that it. like most of the time I could jump into most. The most friends episodes and like not know what's going on and you'll, I'll be able you'll to still enjoy off. it this one if you get the quote-unquote wrong episode you'll have no idea what's going on you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you can never tell when they're gonna do because there's some that are like crafted to be purely like one-off episodes like there's one where it like they're all in a gas station and it's getting robbed and it's like each of them having like their own like fantasy of how they would like be the hero of the day so mm-hmm. there's really not anything other than, like, you have to know about, like, Charlie's infatuation with, like, the waitress. Like, that's mm-hmm. about all you would have to know for that. But that's something right. that's been going on from, like, the first couple episodes of the show, so. Yeah, it just amplifies. It, like, it's it's really good, but if you are a fan of the show, it's incredible. Like, that's, like, it's one of those things. Like, any of the any of the long-running jokes in Friends, any of the long-running jokes in How I Met, things like that, it's just, it, it just adds, it plays to both audiences really well, which I think is, it, it's, it's probably very hard to do. Yeah. But I can imagine. That, that one's definitely worth a watch for anyone who likes good comedy. You just you have to be aware that you're going to need to shower more than once a day sometimes after watching that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. All right, so shameless, shameless is what you're currently watching. Yes, definitely. Okay, what's the what's the what were the other two things? Well, how you about said? you talk about this one? What you want to be watching that's on tonight? Oh, um, the new season of American Horror Story. Hmm. Um, 1984. They're doing it like all those 80s slasher flicks. Oh, uh, see, okay, so that might be an American Horror Story season I can get into. It seems like, well, the, the promotional material they're doing are, like, in, like, the theme of, like, all those ones, because one of them is, like, they're all, like, hanging out at, like, a summer camp, and, so, and then, like, a Jason-esque <sighs> character pops up out of the water nice. and starts knifing someone in a canoe, like. Oh, yeah, like, I God. like the idea this season. I have 
I haven't watched the last few, but just because I've been like, they're like either like weirdly political or like, I just like, I've tried like the hotel one I couldn't get into. Like, I just thought that mm. was stupid. The first few seasons I really liked, but I feel like I'd like I, this one. Didn't you watch the whole Pe- Roanoke one? I did. It was weird, but I still kind of liked it better than some of the other ones. People are, are super into that show, and it was one of the ones where, like, you hear about all the time. I, I know tons of people that watch it. Um, you, there's tons of personalities that talk about it. And then I was like, oh, well, Kim and I were like, we'll give it a shot. And we watched an episode, and we were like, maybe it takes a minute. And then we watched, like, a couple more episodes, like, what what is it about this that people are super drawn to? And then we just gave up. Which season? The first one. Oh, because that one oh, I liked everyone that one. seemed to love. And I didn't I see loved it. That it, one. it is the one that I want to go back and see. I only mm. saw the third season, um, and I really liked it. Um, I just don't think it was for me. I was just not. I, I just like wasn't feeling, and that's fine. Like that. Like I, I'm not gonna not like like. Oh, you like that show? Like no, I get it. Like some people, I just I couldn't I couldn't find what it was that people were super into there. If you're gonna watch a season, watch the third one. Which one is that? It's about all the witches. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, I think it was Coven. Be the Coven was yeah, the, Coven. the subtitle. Yeah. For that the one. this this slasher season. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. <laughs> sounds uh, sounds appealing because I like I like those movies. Those are always like yeah. There's a there's a special place in my heart for like Friday the Thirteenth and and well, Scream. Even though it's a spoof on itself, which is pretty great. But uh, that could be interesting. Check that out. All right, so that's what you want to be watching. This yeah. is Shameless is what you are watching, and then the last what have you been watching? What we have watched, which we watched a couple what? hours ago, um, and we finally got back to. Gianna watching Star Wars. We did. Yes! Yes! First, All right, first. so I, s- I saw the calendar. Yeah, I was going to say, first, let's, I don't, let's I don't remember what tonight was. <laughs> What's that? I, I saw the calendar, but I don't remember what tonight was supposed to be. Uh, tonight was episode three. It's been probably two months mm. since we saw episode two. I would say gotcha. longer, honestly. Did you feel, after episode two, did you feel like you needed a break? Is that what it was? Or you just haven't gotten a chance? It's okay I to say like, you felt like you needed a break. I definitely needed a break. I don't know what it was. It was just like, anytime you brought it up, I was like, no. Like, I really haven't. I have no. It, uh, we, we, know it, we know what it was. It was episode two. Like, it will do that to you. Oh, was that the one fun. with the sand? Yes. Okay, yeah, no. Like, I think it just really was like so <laughs> That's tremendous. Much. No, it seems like you were much more when, engaged. When somebody who was. I did kind of like. Gets everywhere. well give us give us your thoughts on episode three i did like it um well this is one that i actually do remember seeing in theaters so i thought that was kind of exciting because i like there were little flashes of like visual things where i was like oh i remember seeing that i remember seeing that i had no idea what was going on but like i remember seeing that so um yeah i liked it a lot um i don't know i was gonna say because she's getting into it like when Spoiler alert for a movie that came out 14 years ago, everyone. Um, like, when uh, Mace Windu is, is finally trying to take down the Emperor, like, she's, like, rooting him on, and then when Anakin comes in, she's like, oh, no, come on. <laughs> oh, I got I was very upset. And then he cut, he cut his arm off, and she's like, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you feel it, yeah, you get, you, get, you get attached. And it's, like, one of those uh, things where, like, I know how everything ends, like, I know Anakin becomes, like, Darth Vader and everything, but I just couldn't help rooting him on. I don't know. I was just like, I was like, oh, you know, come on, like, it's fine, like, just, like, pat me. Like, yeah, oh, as the movie's going on, you're like, he can like, turn around. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know that this is not what I'm, yeah. It was great when, like, when, uh, what's his name, <laughs> finally, like, goes all in on, like, the gambit, and, um, Palpatine is, like, saying, like, you know, 
please use my knowledge, you know, like, you know, you can't learn that from a Jedi. And she's like, oh, come on. <laughs> she's like, you're going to fall for this. Come on. <laughs> When he does a little yeah, like, wink, like wink, where he's like, and you can save the ones that are go- that you love that are going to die. I was like, seriously? Like, you don't see any sort of trap here? <laughs> I was like, how are you not rubbing your hands together laughing maniacally right now? Uh, like, he literally, you the, can uh, see this face where he's like... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Tremendous role. Uh, I just like this, this vision of you watching the movie going, he could still turn around. He could still come back from this. He could still come back from this. Oh, he killed all those kids. <laughs> it came to the part because, well, the problem was we, it was a little loud in the house when we were getting to like that point. So I kind of had to like interpret for her what was like happening for like a couple of scenes, and then it gets. I was like, okay, so they're going to the Jedi Temple now, and he's gonna kill all the Jedi. And I was like, but the thing is, all of the adult Jedi are pretty much out at war. So like they're fighting like all the apprentices, and then he walks he walks into the room with the younglings, and she's like. What, what's going on? I was like, these are all like the youngest apprentices. And then he lights the lightsaber and she goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> I literally, I yeah, saw them all like hiding behind the chair. I was like, oh yay, like they got them hidden. This is great. And there was a second where I forgot that he was like trying to kill all the Jedi and he walks in. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is great. He's going to protect them. And I'm like, oh shit, the lightsaber is not going to... Yeah. And they're like, that's why I got this rid is... of the 13 I was like, oh, he killed them. Yeah, yep. I was, oh, he I was killed like, them yep. all. Yeah, I was... <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that because what I was going to say was as you go into that room, you're like, Al was probably like, and the lightsaber turns on. You go, peachy 13. Oh God, he's going to kill them all. I was like, yeah. And that's why this is the first PG 13 Star Wars. Yeah. And they're like, and once that, once they hit that mark, they're like, ah, set them on fire. <laughs> well, a- after we were done watching, I was like, okay, now you have to watch this. And I put on the robot chicken high ground. High ground. <laughs> that's not the high ground. I mean, that's not the Jedi way. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a phenomenal clip. Yeah, I love that so much. So, okay, so you started from one, or we did you start from, from four? We're, we're doing them chronologically. Cool, cool, cool. So All right, next one sweet. Will be solo, so, which will be next week? Yes, solo is next week. Solo, and then Rogue One. Rogue One will be next after that. So these yeah. are both like four, five, six. Ones, right? Yeah, these ones were both made in the last couple of years, but they they fit chronologically between the end of three because there's about a twenty year ish gap between episode three and episode four, and Rogue One basically takes place like a couple of weeks before episode four, and Solo takes place like a couple of years before that, or at least most of it because there's a little bit of a time jump. There was a noticeable absence in your calendar between episode four and five, though. Yeah, well, because what happened was we were we were, we were like, oh. You have to watch eight movies starting this week, and there's 13 weeks to watch it in. And uh-huh. so we're like, okay, like she's starting a new job in a couple of weeks. So it's like, oh, let's do two in these two weeks, and then take a week off, like her first week of new week of work. And then we were like, we basically like like banged out. There was like four movies in like a five week span. So then it was like just finding like spaces to like build in. Like, okay, this will be a week off. This will be two weeks off. Like, oh, like this is holiday week. Like this is like Halloween weekend. So give me that weekend off. And then it's like. You want to finish eight close enough to nine, but also not be like sure. cramming in there. Like, make sure you're definitely going to get to all of them in case something crops up. But why did you cut the film that comes between four and five? I didn't. Oh, the holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to see that. <laughs> We're only watching canonical stuff, and I'm not making her watch the shows because that's I've heard take, enough like, about 30 it. hours of her life. So Fair enough. Uh, John Favreau wants to remake it. 
the holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> and let's add that to the list of remakes that I want to see. <laughs> well, again, speaking of bringing someone back, is not isn't Harvey Corman dead? We cannot make that movie without Harvey Corman. Uh, no, no. Uh, is he? That's sad. I, I mean, I feel like sense. he is. He's an old. He would. He would be rather old. A whip, whip, sir. I might have uh, to just show her. That's that. cool, though. I'm I'm excited that you guys are, that you're that you're catching up on this. So you're going to be going. Are you going to be coming for opening night? Is the question, I guess. Um, no, because I think if we based on the the uh, calendar, she's not technically on the hook to have watched it until like that no, weekend that, after it's out. Not that, I think I gave myself a week break in between the last movie and the movie that's like. It's tough because that weekend out. is BLC Christmas party weekend when is also if you're going on a thursday i have work the next day so that's i'm not time. gonna want to do that true true yeah i uh for the past what three years i've consistently put in a work time off request that just says star wars yep yes and, I have uh, the week of I, the 15th week of the 15th off yeah i work in a i work in a nerd culture my boss is there for a nerd and when they see that request come in it gets immediately approved which is tremendous <laughs> yeah so harvey corman would love be it. like 92 if he was still alive um and he died about 10 years ago oh that's sad well whoop whoop stir old friend uh so <laughs> the, <laughs> so that's what so that's what you have watched was yes. th- was three okay cool so we're, yeah we're gonna have to check back in as you uh, as you progress what else you got? What other news and nuggets do we have on the list here? No, that's it. Let's get to fun and games. Yes. All right. Fun and games. Now, here's here's the thing. This is how we're going to play this since we have an, a special guest. Gianna, these questions are going to be directed at Al. However, at any point, you have the option to veto his answer and choose a different one. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> this quiz is which character from The Shining are you? I am sure that I'm going to be running out of quizzes that fall in line with the movies that we're doing very soon. <laughs> I, I keep trying and I keep finding them, so here we go. Let's get started. How do you convince people to take your word? Flattery? Talk to them about it, explaining it logically. Threats? Or strongly assure them? Strongly what? Assure them. I'm going to go with logic. Yep, I agree. Okay. For you. Oh, For you. oh so yeah. she's doing it from, no. like, if she's going to veto oh, me. No, no, I... it's, yeah, she gets to veto you just if she yeah, chooses. Yeah, I'm going off your personality, and okay. yes. What? All right, so this is what, remember when I said that when we do quizzes that sometimes they're not worded properly? I'm not sure, like, do you, do you read your work maybe once over before you post it? What do you when you feel threatened by someone? So I'm assuming this says, what do you do when you feel threatened by someone? This is by PlayBuzz Quiz, by the way. Okay. What do you when you feel threatened by someone? Threaten them back? Laugh it off? Ask them if they have something against you? Get a weapon and use it on them? Choose your axe with caution. Wait, choose what? Your axe with caution. Oh. Um, I guess laugh it off. That is okay. not correct. Do you know how often I get threatened in real life? When do you get threatened? Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like if you did get threatened, you would laugh. <laughs> How dare you threaten me? What do you um, do when someone warns you of danger? Ask for help in preventing harm. My, curio- my curiosity overcomes me. Not take it seriously. Investigate carefully. Become very concerned and do all I can to prevent harm. I guess become concerned. I didn't actually hear the whole question, but that would feel right. I didn't hear right. the whole question. What do you do when someone warns you of danger? Oh, yeah. Proceed with caution. That's good. 
How do you get what you want? <laughs> Insist on it verbally. Ask and negotiate. Manipulation by being mean. Take it by force. Manipulation by being nice. Oh. Manipulation by being nice. Savage. <laughs> Kill him with kindness. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. Mm, no. <laughs> What do you... <laughs> All right. What do you do when you feel tempted to do something wrong? Refuse to do it, hesitate, but then give in. Think about the pros and cons and decide based on that, or do it spontaneously. <laughs> pros and cons. He seemed like a pros and cons guy. Gianna, do you agree? Pros and cons? Oh, I'll let him stick with it. Did you change the last right. one? I did. Okay, thank I'm you. definitely not an extrovert. Do you even know me? I do, actually. I'm like an extrovert and introvert. Yes. Your dick. What? Dick Halloran. Oh, Dick Halloran. Oh, I was hoping I was going to yep. be Delbert Greedy. You're a very kind... I was hoping that you were going to be Tony. You're a very kind person with amazing <laughs> abilities. <laughs> you love young children. From now on. Well, this is actually... This, okay, you're a very kind person with amazing abilities. You love young children, and you can relate to everyone very well. You're also a very helpful person. All right. That, there you go. Sounds like I got the right person. There you go. What? So there you go. The, That's the chef. Yeah. The guy with the, the the guy who told him about the shining. Scatman. Scatman! <laughs> I'm sorry, we never <laughs> called him by his name. We called him Scatman the by whole the time. By the way, that was that is by far the best name in the history of war, of the world. Scatman, Scatman Crothers. Um that was my original <laughs> intro, and then I had that Twitter argument that I won, and then that had to be the intro, so Oh, wait, what was this Twitter argument that you won? Oh, it doesn't really matter. It was sports-related. Um, but at the oh, end okay. of it, yeah, someone, pass. someone oh. at the end of it, I persuaded them with logic, and he said, touche. Nice. Nice. With that, let us get into our flick of the week. The Shining, 1980. This is your IMDb synopsis. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence, while his psychic son sees horrific while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. I'm usually the one who stumbles all over reading something. Yeah. I, I I'm like it's one of those oh, things no. where like I feel like I've been pretty successful with it so far. Um I but by all accounts I shouldn't be because I stumble over things like that all the time. But whatever. Uh did you spill that beer everywhere? Um, it exploded everywhere. Nice. Nice. Um, See? I think it's because I finally made fun of you one time too many. Uh, on this occasion, it wasn't me that it happened to. Uh, while I was reading this IMDb synopsis, there was an advertisement for American Horror Story 1984. So that's kind of cool. It's it listening great. to us. Uh, oh, 100%. Uh, this movie is interesting. Yes. Uh, I don't have... I, I, I have this I have a memory of this movie uh, I when I saw it the first time. Uh, I, I'm not certain that I saw it from the very beginning because as I was watching the movie, I, I could almost cue in on which point it was that I started watching it when I was younger, uh, which isn't that far into it, but I definitely didn't have the setup that was was necessary. Okay. For understanding the plot, but I also wasn't watching it at the time where I was very critical uh, or like really thinking about it. It was just like one of those things I threw it on one day. Um, and my memory of what the movie was like very different from what the movie is. Okay, it sounds kind of like and, you perceived it similarly to the way that G just did with um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, where it's like, 
I saw this before, and, like, I kind of remember things, but I have no idea what that scene was about the first time I saw it, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, kind of like that, except when I watched them, I, I remember thinking very fondly of the movie. Not that it, like, you know, it's a scary movie, it's a dark movie, not thinking, like, oh, like, it's a, like a fun and heartfelt movie. I, I remember thinking that it was a good movie. I don't necessarily feel that way now. Oh, strong disagree. Um, I think it's, I think it's mediocre. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's particularly bad, but I don't think it's particularly good either. I thought it was good, although some of its failings come to, um, artistic choices that they chose to cut out of the book. Um, also I realized when we discussed this last week or the week before, um, I realized that I was slightly misguided and I thought that the, the plot of the movie changed somewhat significantly. It's really only the very end that's changed somewhat significantly. Although the majority of it is... Like thematically, right? But they just changed okay. some of the details. I, I'm interested in hearing about the ending of the book when we get into spoiler territory. But uh, before we do that, Gianna, how did you? What did you think of this? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I like. I didn't really have anything against it, but like, it also wasn't something where I was like, "Ooh, like that's such a like that's a really great movie." But like, yeah, I, th- I thought it was good. I, I think that's what I think that's kind of where I fell to like it, the way that you're describing it sounds a little bit better because it was more like I had this notion in my head of how great it was and then I think I was let down by my own expectations of what I thought it was when I saw it the first time yeah it kind of underwhelmed me from like everything I've heard about it yeah that's I, I, I'm I think that's fair uh, I thought it was very good. Um, it's not like it was like a oh this is gonna be like a pantheon movie for me immediately off the bat whatever but um there was a lot of things about it that did impress me overall, and it's a pretty well-crafted movie start to finish. Um, it's got very good performances on a very small cast, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it does a lot of things really well. And it aged well. It, the type of movie... That, I, I would agree with that, that too, yeah. could have been open to not aging well, but I guess in large part because it's not driven by very much CGI, really. Um, it doesn't have yeah. to worry about that too much. Um, it makes use of more practical effects, and a lot mm-hmm. of it is more about tension and suspense building than it is about any... It's not built on jump scares, so you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Yeah, the cinematography is pretty great. Yes. Uh, there um, are certain things... I was say, there's some specific things um, like involving like the camera work and like cinematography that I found interesting that we can get into in a bit. But um, Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, just for... Th- this is pre-spoilers and um, th- not a spoiler at all here. There's a... Th- you, you've probably... If you've seen the movie, if, you have, if you've seen clips of the movie or trailers or anything, you've seen uh, Danny uh, uh, riding around on his tricycle. And just those scenes alone, following him with the camera and the way they do that, I think... Like, I could watch... Like, I could, it's almost hypnotizing. I could watch those scenes on a loop. Which, him, which, is, like, which is meant to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's like... It's, inc- it's really well done. Uh, it's very smooth. A smart choice to having it from his perspective because he's like six years old rather mm-hmm. than like doing it from up top, like having it trail him at his height helps with like building yeah. those like awkward like spaces because like he's a tiny little kid in like a big wheel. And so like all of like it makes like that like like crushing like claustrophobic effect really go in with like those those long hallways and all of them are look exactly the same mm-hmm. which kind of gives that labyrinthine feel to it and because it's mm-hmm. shot from such a low perspective following this little kid you get that like like pressing like tension and like weight that you feel of it like all kind of coming down on top of you yeah no it's i i, I agree i agree with that um one of the things 
one of the mechanics of the movie that bothered that actually bothered me was the and it's just it, it's not it's just the way that I, I I feel about it but the the musical cues so like I like the music in the movie a lot mm-hmm. uh, the but they do a lot of uh, builds and abrupt loud sound mm-hmm. that are irrelevant to what's going on um yes and no uh a lot they do it a lot and what bothers me is when they do it uh and it doesn't actually have something corresponding to it i get that the point is probably it's more so putting you on edge it's more so like building tension but i don't uh because i guess because i'm so used to movies doing things like that i i don't actually get on edge i just know like that's coming and then when it doesn't come instead of instead of having like relief or like holding on to that like feeling of tension throughout the next couple of scenes i'm just like oh it feels like something went wrong in the filming and i think that's just because that's just probably me watching so many movies i i wonder if you recontextualize in the fact that this movie came out in 1980 so i don't know if it's the first thing to do those things that's fair it might be i feel like it's among the pioneers of that style of building to an anticlimactic payoff to crescendoing you know, horrifying, dark, ominous tones and all that. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. I can agree that I, I don't... It just didn't have the intended effect. But I think I, the reason why I can, I'm okay with it is I think I understand what they were doing. And I feel like if it was the first time I was actually watching it, I probably would have felt that way. Well, I also think if you watched it in 1980, you would have been more impressed by it. Or even if, I, even if I had never seen it and watched it right now, I had seen enough to know where the movie goes. And to know, like, I, rem- I recall the scenes very well. Like, I knew where each thing was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as it was happening, I was then I was thinking about, like, why did I like this so much? And I, it's just, again, I, I just think it's okay. Um, well, it's, it's also possibly it's... the type of movie that maybe just didn't have a lot of rewatchability for you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably all it is. Um, it might not really have a lot of rewatchable for most, um, though that being said, my favorite, it's one of my favorite parts of Ready Player One, which mm. is interesting, because it's not, it's by no means not, it's not one of my favorite movies, but I thought it, it played really well in that space. I actually want to get back to that a little bit later, um, but okay. I, what, sticking on the idea of like kind of the way that they chose to do the musical cues and building tension through it, um, a movie that I kept thinking of while watching this was Annihilation. Because mm-hmm. it definitely borrowed from some of those ideas, like you said, like the using like tones, using crescendos um, to off to put you off your balance. You know what I mean? Like whereas, yeah, oh, it doesn't pay off with a jump scare or something right now. Um, although sometimes it does, both in that movie and this one. Um, but like just that idea of this shocking you, like sound is gonna like leave you a little frazzled for what's gonna come yeah. next. It's like. Like, it's trying to, like, set you up and, like, get you... It's like a boxer who's, like, hitting you with a jab, hitting you with a jab, and then hits you with the cross. And then you, when you get mm. hit with the jab and expect the cross, it's an uppercut this time. You know what I mean? It's that whole, like, setup thing. Yeah. G- Gianna, do you like horror movies? Um, I'm not a person who, like, is terrified of them, but it's definitely not my, like, first genre to go for. Yeah, you're, you're not, like, immediately seeking them out, but you're open to some of them. Yeah. Well, we did go see It Let's... Chapter 2 last week together. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not, like, against them, but it's also not something where I'm like, ooh, did you see the new horror movies out? Let's go see it. Well, no, that's uh, mostly I was asking because I wanted to make sure that you would have the context when I bring this up. So I'm curious how you guys feel about this. There's uh, 
there's this there's the jump scare tactic that is done today to death, right? It's done over and over mm-hmm. again. And this and one really they, didn't do many. No, of them. I didn't it, find it, it that's didn't. I, I didn't find myself very scared by this movie because that's what usually gets me is the jump scares from like movies, and I didn't really and, feel that from this. Uh, if jump scares don't get you, you probably should go see a doctor. Huh? Just no, they just they do, that but that's my point. Like the, this movie no, no, didn't have me, so I wasn't scared. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I agree. Like, I, the, but that's the thing is, jump scares are cheap. They're not, they're not earned. They're not. I don't think there's anything clever behind them. Uh, you know, you pretty much know exactly when it's going to happen, but because it's so loud or quick or strange, you jump anyway. And it's just, it really is just a cheap way of getting a reaction out of you. What I find to be much more terrifying, and I think what happens is when they're doing that. What they're basically doing is you're 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 at the same level as the character in the movie, right? You have the information they have, and that's about it. And then you get a jump scare. What I find to be much more terrifying is a scene like in the Shining, not spoilery, a scene like in The Shining where you are twenty seconds ahead of the character, where the character is reading through some papers that are immediately you're like you're at the same you're at the same level of this character when they're reading through the papers because you you're having something revealed to you and it's like oh my god but then you get to go a couple of seconds ahead of them where you see another character come into screen that they're not aware of that to me that's terrifying all work and no play makes johnny a dull boy yeah <laughs> it's i mean that's a or jack that's a dull a boy whatever scene. it was jack yeah that's a that's a fantastic scene that yeah. that and that type of thing i think that's that's creepier than most things that happen in a horror movie today yeah also the funny thing about a little bit of context for that scene where again we don't want to get too much spoilers but she's reading through all of the pages um so earlier in the evening i was and i was explaining to my mom the whole thing that you and i have referenced many times on the show the idea of the family guy joke that goes too far and it's not funny anymore and then it becomes funny um so she wasn't familiar with like she's like oh like this like that goes on forever it's like that's the point like the whole thing is like so i showed her a couple of examples of it on family guy where it's like they keep going until the joke is no longer funny and then they keep going again and it's so ridiculous that it's now funny again and Mm -hmm. during that scene she goes oh my god stop looking at all the pages they all say the same thing it's the family guy thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's great Oh man! Uh, what, uh, before we moved on um, too far from the music thing, there was one other yeah. thing I wanted to mention. We were listening, watching the title sequence. Which, first of all, the uh, Gianna and me like kind of like came to the realization at the same point. Like the title sequence looked like um, someone who's doing a bad job of PowerPoint because like they had like hundred percent. The title card came up and like it just, sideways, like came vertical, up. and yeah, they yeah. Were, like, like scroll <laughs> up and like the same thing it was like the very generic, um, like. Like the font. font and like the color, it it's just like looked like white font on black title card. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but then the, the music they're up. playing during it is actually pretty creepy and off-putting. Oh yeah, like, the music's great. Like, I was like, what have I heard this in? And it took me way too long to remember. Oh duh, it was in the Doctor Sleep trailer. Yeah, <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> um, which then made me, I was like, oh, but I like, I was like, I was like getting anxiety because I was like, why do I know this fucking music? I can't think of what it's from. And I found I was like, oh, we just watched. It was a trailer leading into it. And I went to look up the trailer, and I realized there's a new, new trailer, which was out, like, over a week ago, but it wasn't the trailer before it. The trailer before it was the one that came out a few months ago. There's a new, new trailer that came out within the past week or so that I hadn't seen yet that's got, like, a oh. little bit of that. Way more different things. I It's maybe as guilty of, quote-unquote, showing too much, but nothing in, like, a mm. super spoilery, spoilery way, I don't think. It's just, like, 
Okay. It's showing you significantly new material that it wasn't showing, showing a lot of different things. Um, but they also still, at a certain point, cut in the title music from The Shining. And I was right. like, yep, yeah, okay, I was right. right. That's what it was from. Yeah. That is legitimately that is, pretty music. iconic. Oh yeah, it's and it's it's solid. It's it's well it's what's well orchestrated. It is. Um, did you know that there was a '97 television adaptation? Um, only because I was looking up The Shining and I saw something 1997 The Shining and I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that existed and I didn't have the time like to a, click on it and look at it. So it's about four and a half hours. It looks like so probably similar to the maybe like the It television. Oh, interesting. Adaptation like a probably probably like a two VHS type deal. Uh, never saw it. Uh, did not look like it got very good ratings when I came across it just now, which I didn't know about beforehand either. Well, that creepy face um, um, doesn't look great. Yeah, it says TV miniseries. It was three episodes. Okay, so that yeah. Um, so it probably I had I just had no idea. Better job of adapting the book, I'm guessing. Which is interesting though, because it's like uh, Shining went from movie to TV adaptation, and then it went from TV adaptation to movie. Wait, was it a? It was a TV adaptation beforehand. The Tim Curry one oh, is sorry, a TV. It, it, you said yeah. TV. You, you said um, The Shining. Sorry. No, no, Shining went from from movie to TV, and then it went from TV to movie. Kind of curious about that's interesting. Okay. But um, the Ed, Ed, I mean, this. I'm curious how that how that Shining TV uh, TV miniseries was. It did. I, it I did win two primetime Emmys. I saw that too. Did you see what they were for? I'm gonna find out now. Uh, outstanding makeup for a miniseries or special. Doesn't look like it. And outstanding sound editing for. So it doesn't actually show us anything. It was nominated for All outstanding right. miniseries though. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, any notes before we get into spoiler territory, so we don't have to. I mean, not that. Um, I mean, it's 1980. The movie came out, but still. Well, I guess there's one other thing we can talk about because it's not actually about the movie. Um. I find it interesting what you had mentioned earlier about Ready Player One. Um, this is a movie slash book that has been um, like parodied and homaged in like so many different versions of pop culture, and I find that interesting. Considering you said you're like, oh, it's fine. It sounds like John is kind of about that. I'm a little bit more strongly in favor of it than you guys are, but it seems to have left an indelible mark on the culture. And that's why I said I wonder if if you'd seen this in 1980, if you maybe would have looked at it more favorably, even though it didn't not age well. It's. I think maybe you lack could lack an appreciation of what made it. Oh yeah. So important at the time that it doesn't have and hold now, forty years later. Um, but it's funny because yeah. when we were done, I would say movie, I. What's that? Sorry, you, it was uh the the timing was off for a second there. What were you gonna say? We're done oh, watching I said, the movie. When we were done watching the movie, I showed Gianna and my mom because the three of us watched it together. Um, the music video for the kill by Thirty Seconds to Mars. Have you seen the, mm-hmm. the whole video? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that they did that. And they won Best like Music Video that year in the, at the, the Grammys for that thing. It's really well done. Um, obviously, I, I like that song a lot. And both of them were like, oh, I know yeah. this song. I had no idea that this thing is... And I think it's funny because it's like kind of off-brand because it's like the, like the, the room number they use is different. Like they kind of play around with some of the conventions, but then they still have like the thing with like the person in a bear cro- costume like filleting someone um, and someone climbing out of a bathtub to make out with someone um, and someone going to a bar when they shouldn't be, I guess. Um, but it's like, even though it's kind of like the off-brand version, it's very re- like reverent to the material mm-hmm. too. Like it's not, it's not at all making fun of it. It's 
clearly done like because it likes the thing mm-hmm. um and it plays around with some of the conventions in it i think was really cool oh it's not making fun of it i thought it was laughing it all off in your face <laughs> <laughs> that was almost that was almost as good as uh my uh, amber is the color of my energy joke from a couple weeks ago <laughs> uh, <laughs> well what's funny is this this song has given me two of those and i'm surprised that they were in such quick succession I yeah. think it was like a few weeks ago. Was what if I wanted to break? Who came up? But yeah, that's that right. Was, uh, no, it's it's it is interesting. Uh, the uh, I, I don't know. Like, you did bring up a good point. Uh, the movie does it, it does hold up as far as aesthetically uh, and as far as and the majority of the execution. Like it it did never really felt to me while I was watching like the movies from 1980. It just felt like it was a strange movie. Like in its own vault of whatever time it is like it's like its own thing and that i could see that coming out in that time alongside of the other things that came out in that time and being like a oh, step shit. above that this is like else. a high quality because it is like a quality so. production like yeah um the other yeah. two things i had thought about was well for one because we had already talked about ready player one that is absolutely like a love letter to this right and like mm-hmm. steven spielberg i think has made no um like secret of the fact that he was he loved a lot of stanley kubrick's work right yeah um and even though it does take some liberties with how it interprets it there are some things that are really honest to god like the whole blood in the hallway from the elevator scene you know what i mean like the stuff going into room 237 all that is very like strict to the material even if they played around with the convention at the end when they're going through the dance floor um but the other one that I found interesting, even though it's really only the very end that makes it like a reference to it, um, and it's very obviously paradise, paradising it, is do you remember the Key and Peel sketch Continental Breakfast? Mm, I'm not sure. Did you watch it? I sent it to you last night. No, I did not watch it. Oh, I showed it to, to my mom. She had already gone upstairs. Um, and it's like sending, it's kind of a send up of the premise because the end shot is the same end shot where it's. You know, you've never left. You've been here the whole time, and they show the picture, and it's someone being there. But I'll describe it to you. You and I and John will have to watch it together when we're done recording. Um, but okay. it's it's a businessman's like who it's played by by Jordan Peele uh, is checking into like a generic like Hilton Garden Inn type hotel, and Keegan Michael Key is the guy working at the desk, and he's like, oh, here's your room key. And we have continental breakfast every morning from six to ten. He goes, um, a continental breakfast? Oh yeah, you know, come in. And he goes, and it's free. Yes, yes, of course. And so the next morning he comes down and he's eating breakfast and he's treating it like it's way too fancy and like cool. It's the first time he's ever gotten free breakfast for like on a business trip. <laughs> Even though it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a couple of pieces of fruit, a couple of muffins, it's a couple of different yeah. cereals. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like it's a breakfast buffet. It is like a true blue continental breakfast. And he just goes completely over the top with the whole thing. And it's... It's clearly, at first, you wouldn't have realized it's making fun of The Shining because it's making fun of a lot of different things. There's one line um, in the middle of it where he's eating it and he's just turned into like this like like orgasmic experience. And he goes, I'll have what I'm having instead of what I'll have what she's having. <laughs> I, I, I've seen that clip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is obviously you know, when Met Harry Met Sally and all that. But at the end, it turns into, it's oh, they're doing The Shining with, you know, it's... It's great, like how many, and there's, I'm sure there's a million other references to this movie in a million different things, um, but it makes you have an appreciation for how important this work is for so much of pop culture because there's a million things that like 
like the first time I saw that skit when I watched the when I was watching the show because I love that show. I watched it when it was live. Um, I had no idea the end final scene was a reference to The Shining because that scene I don't oh, okay. think was in the book. I think that's a movie only thing. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. Well, with that, let's get into the post spoiler territory. So all bets are off. If you haven't seen The Shining by now and you're listening here, we're we're just we're gonna be talking straight up about everything that happens in the movie. Thirty nine years old, guys. With that, let's get into spoiler territory. The first thing that I want to bring up is Tony. And the reason I want to bring him up is, like I had mentioned earlier, I had a very different version in my head of what goes on in this movie. <laughs> and I remember Tony being like a... this. I remember being like a bad and evil thing. I didn't realize that it was more of like a protective... like. Yeah, I think in the book they kind of maybe string you along a little longer into is it good is it bad is it just like neutral benevolent you know what i mean um but no mm-hmm. it is unquestionably and i think when we were watching my mom asked too i was like no no it's like not a malevolent thing it's trying to protect him it's because it's kind of like a sixth sense like like extrasensory perception type thing like where he's got like yeah some some telekinetic power some clairvoyance like he can see like things of the future but it's filtered through his like viewpoint of being a very young child where it's like he doesn't understand everything he's seeing um and you know tony isn't an actively malevolent force it's a benevolent force um that I don't know if it's supposed to be symbiotic where it's like it kind of has its own will or if it's just an extra manifestation of his own personality. But it's definitely not meant to be an evil force. I mean... The whole time I was it, waiting for it to become like that. but <laughs> it Just turned into like a little monster. <laughs> well, I think the whole point, because like, we're doing you know, post-spoilers here, right? Like, where... Because it takes over Danny, right? At the end, like for a while. Um, he says Danny can't come here right now. I think... It knows the shock and trauma that's gone on and is continuing to come, and it's shielding his young, fragile psyche from things that would irreparably harm him. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, Tony's nice. He's a nice guy. I will say that any time that he's been like, they're like, who's Tony? And Tony's the little boy that lives in my mouth. I'm like, okay, weirdo. Like, that, <laughs> that is... Uh, I just think, can you imagine, like, I, I don't know how I would react if I had a child that said that thing. I'd be I like, feel like oh. that's also a time difference, too. Like, 1980, I feel like you might not have thought anything to, into it, but I feel like now you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he lives in my mouth, and then when, like, he, uh. when people are looking for him, he goes down and hides in my stomach, and it's like, what? <laughs> Sorry, what now? So we're going to go to the doctor, <laughs> and uh, you're going to stay there for a little while. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's it's it's terrifying. Uh, that kid creeps the hell out of me in this movie, <laughs> and it's and it's like he's fine. Like, there's really nothing wrong with him. He's not the creepy part of the movie, but he is creepy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, when he makes I, think faces. It, I think that's an interesting story because I think the kid does a good job because like he's he did do yeah, a really good job dealing honestly. with like a lot of adult material. I know that the story goes that Kubrick was very protective of him. Not like mm. I guess he didn't know that it was. He didn't even know it was a horror movie until, like, a couple of years later. Oh, um, wow. Like, they really shielded him from... Like, I think any scene that he wasn't in was, not, like, not allowed to come to set. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to see the movie when it came out. Um, and he was only ever in two things. He was in... I think he played, like, a small role. I was looking at it earlier. Because I remember hearing something, like, 
that he got out of acting after that or whatever. Um, he was in like some other like kind of it wasn't a documentary, but it was like a movie of like an autobiography of like G. Gordon Letty, and he plays like the young version of him. Um, that's the only other acting credit that he has. Interesting. But I thought he did a like, good job. But I wonder if one of those things where it's like maybe this isn't for me. Although, like, I think he was, you know, true to the age that they were training. Like, I think he really was, like, six, seven years old when they were shooting this. Mm. Yeah, he's, uh... He, he definitely he definitely did a good job. Uh, super... Made some super creepy faces and sounds, though. That's for sure. Uh, speaking yeah, like, of creepy there, sounds... Like, drooling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. He's, like, he's, like, spazzing. Like, he's, like, legit, like... He's like shaking in that scene. Oh, that was, it's creepy. That was when he was when he was reaching out to Halloran, right? Yeah, yeah. Which uh, what a tremendous character! I lo- like, I loved that character. I thought he was really good. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's just like a within this movie. I I'm assuming that the character is a little bit more in the book. He's a little is bit that... more in the book, and also he survives. Oh, interesting. I was gonna say because in this, he's he's pretty much just a MacGuffin. Like, and like, <laughs> just like just so that you know. Dude, let's let's be clear about what Danny is. Also, here's uh, Snowcat. Well, he's, that's it. He's, that's... <laughs> he's Basil Exposition, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we, we can get into it more like as we get towards the, the ending of it. Like, But the ending diverges significantly, and one of the ways is that while he is very badly injured, he does survive. He calls it, when, he, when he's explaining the, the Shining, like we called it Shining, I was, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Have you ever seen John Panette's stand-up? That name sounds familiar, but I don't heavy, know. Heavy set comedian. Uh, he he passed away a few years ago. Mm. Really funny. Yeah, uh, you you. One of the things you wrote for the Spinchoon, you put a, a a scene that he he did from one of his stand ups in it, and you sent it to me, or I read it, saw it in the. Yeah, I I I loved it. He he's just so funny, but he uh, he has this whole skit about um, he's going going up to Maine, uh, to for a skiing trip. And he's like, okay. we're going all the way up in, into Maine, near Russia, because he's <laughs> just trying to get across the point how far away it is. And he's like, and he's like, we stop along the way, we go to get gas, and then people are saying like all sorts of Maine things, like going all the way up there. And I was like, why? And when he goes in the movie, when he says we called it Shining, I was like, why? Like, is there what? is there a more of a meaning to the word in the book? It doesn't. It, it means nothing in the. Well, movie. I think part of it is they modernized it. I think some when they made the movie because I think the book was written for it to take place more in like the fifties. Mm. So I think that they made him a little bit more stereotypically black for the time. Well, that actually brings up another interesting point, which is the accents. And the way that people speak, because I was like, people didn't talk like that in the eighties. I mean, I, I, I vaguely remember the very, very late eighties, and it wasn't anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, there was some of this that was a little bit anachronistic because of them choosing to kind of modernize it, but not all the way. Where it, not quite, but kind of comes out like the way early Archer does, where it's like we have like GPS and smartphones, but also like our computers are like black and green like screen and also everything is wood paneled like the 70s and it's got rugs and stuff like that yeah uh, that's it's that's a little but is that what was going on with the accents and the way that i think like what is shelly duvall's accent in this movie what is that um 
repressed housewife. Southern Are we Belle talking about her voice? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. I think she just struggles with her teeth. And I was going to leave her appearance out of it, but she has rather large teeth. No, she doesn't. Oh and I thought her acting was terrible. Well, no, yeah. you just thought her running was terrible. No, there was like, <laughs> oh my god, in that the running. bathroom when he's aged, like, it's here's Johnny thing, and she's, ah! I'm like, oh. I, I don't know. I really well, there's a whole it. thing about that, and I didn't... I couldn't get over it. I just thought, like, the whole time I was like, I don't think she's acting very well. And I was like, maybe it'll look better, get better, like, you know, she's just, she's playing a part. And then I was like, no, it really doesn't. She's not no. good. I think there was something to it, and I forgot to look into it today. It was, like, the one thing I forgot. Um, I That think she was completely was... tormented during the filming? Yes, that. Yeah. Yeah, she um, was actually, like, freaked out. Yeah, like, he... Because he goes full method... With some of the crazy that he does in some of his roles, and it I was think, really believable though. Honestly. I think she was she in the aftermath said like there was times where I was uncomfortable, and I tried to tell them that, and they weren't receptive to my yeah. constructive criticism. And I think yeah, she had a hell of a time doing it. I actually thought she might have quit acting too, but it seems like she did some other like small roles through the years. I I do have to say I'm with Gianna here though on that run. Uh, when she's running around kind of flailing and holding the knife and like and I don't like what is like what is she doing with her hands? She, it's very Ricky Bobby right well, you were doing it's like were, what do I do like, with my hands making fun of her for that during the, the way she was running with oh the my knife. god with the knife and I'm like she's eh, oh. like the, with the one hand I kind of I couldn't get over she's it she's like what is she doing <laughs> it's, it's, it's the movie it, it, it kicks off that whole thing with her uh, also, when she's swinging the bat, it's like, it's almost as if she's exhausted and she's swinging the bat, like, very gently. Um, the fact that he gets hit and falls down the stairs with the vigor with which she is swinging the bat is silly. But that, that being like... said... It's funny because if you ever swung a weapon before, like, you would never choke up 50% of the waves. <laughs> like, even if you're swinging a bat yeah, yeah. that's too heavy for you... You would choke up, you know, a couple of inches, not literally 50% of the way up the bat. <laughs> it looked like yeah. she was trying to, like, ward off, like, an animal, you know, where you're yeah. not necessarily trying yeah. to hit them, but you're just trying yeah. to distract them a little bit, you know, and, like, scare them by moving it around. Like, he's coming after you. Just hit him. Like, the way she was holding it, it would have been more effective to jab with the bat than to swing it. <laughs> she could have poked him. I didn't care. That's what but, I'm like, saying. She could have jabbed him with yeah. the bat more effectively than swinging it at that point. Because yeah, her hands 100%. are so far up the barrel of the bat that she was almost hitting herself with the knob at right. the end of the bat. <laughs> if she knocked herself out, I wouldn't have been surprised. The uh, I will I will say, though, like, on top of her being actually terrorized in real life during the making of the movie, uh, I think it was unfair that... Um, to a certain extent, and it's more script than anything, that she really has to handle most of the like emotional burden of the film. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Which also probably more comes down to making movies in the 80s about books written in like this early 70s or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Because, th- and it's twofold. One, because, again, to kind of lightly get into the whole idea of gender roles back then, but two, and more importantly to this specific movie, um, they cut out a ton of the nuance of the character of Jack in this. Um, and because of that, the two of them, or all three of them, are supposed to carry at different times in different ways the emotional like burdens of this story. Um, and they paint it as the two of them just perpetually being afraid... like. 
they act like they're already being terrorized by him before he starts his descent into madness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's really not the case in the book. I it was actually about that. starts as as healthy of a relationship as it could be, considering the jumping off point of the idea of they left Vermont and he left his job. He was teaching at a prep school. It was a really good job. And his alcoholism caused him to have issues, not just at home, with the idea of him dislocating the shoulder. And that was really the only time that they let him have, like, where he's talking to Lloyd, the bartender. And he mm-hmm. says, like, yeah, I went too far. I fucked up. I hurt him. Didn't mean to. Feel like shit. And it's like, and now I can't. Like, she'll never let me live it down type of thing. But the thing is, it takes a while to get to the point where she starts to keep beating him over the head with it. In the book, like, it's as healthy of a relationship as it could be for someone who is relatively newly on the wagon. Like, there is genuine affection between him and his wife and him and his son. Whereas in the Mm. movie, it's characterized as, like, she loves Jack. uh, She uh, she loves Danny and Danny loves her and they kind of exist. And Jack is shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, he's definitely not the best dude in the book, but he's... Like, a tragically flawed dude. Like, there is nuance. It's a guy who's trying his best who fails. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I had that note down where I was like, he, he's not, the character is not, has no redeeming qualities in the No, movie. they, when, by eliminating his relationship with Danny, it just casts him purely as a villain in this, which ultimately yeah. he becomes, but the story is about how he gets there. And the yeah. movie, that's not the case. Yeah, I was going to say that, too, that, like, there was a, like, without you saying that, I was literally thinking, I was like, it was kind of hard to tell when he started to become, like, going, like, when he started to go crazy from the place, and, like, when it was just himself being, like, a psycho. Yeah, because they start with, he feels like he's very on edge from the very beginning, and, like, well, he is because it's just a stressful thing, like, once they settle in, it's like, like, they, you get, like, 90 seconds of that on screen right where he like it's one month later and he wakes up and she made breakfast and like they're all happy for like one and a half scenes like there's a lot more of that in the book which then makes it all starting to go wrong that much more impactful because it's like oh maybe Mm. things are going to work out for them you know what i mean maybe they really did need a change of scenery maybe him being on the wagon will really work for them maybe they're having time just to work on their own relationships with each other will really benefit them and you don't get to see that on screen. And I get why, right. because it can't be a four and a half hour movie. Um, and the movie does the best that it can cutting those things out, but it makes things very black and white. Whereas by the end of the story in the book, you do feel bad for Jack. Uh, because in addition to making him a more complex, tragic figure, his descent into madness also... The, the supernatural aspect of it becomes more important, whereas it feels like that's just an excuse for him to give in, hmm. as opposed to outside forces actively working to corrupt him. Gotcha. Hey, I, I think that would have that would have gone a long way for me, I think. Yeah. Actually, I will say, though, character. I will say from the perspective of the movie, his performance was really good. Like, all the faces oh, he makes, yeah. the tirades he He's a creepy into, dude the manic episodes that he has like where he's just like going ranting and raving and then all of a sudden he stops and like he, at one point he's just staring into space and drooling with yep. his mouth like agape and it's like if I didn't if I watched this in time and then 10 years later saw 89 Batman I would have been like oh yeah I totally get why they cast right. Nicholson mm-hmm. in this did you see him in The Shining? It feels like an audition the 
you know, it's one of the scenes that uh, that always gets. I just think it's so great when he says, "I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in." Yeah. Uh, that one. That's a great scene. Uh, very much cheapened by the a uh, scene from Suicide Squad, which until I watched this again, I didn't. I feel like was a nod to that and ruins it. The I'm not gonna. Was it? I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really, really badly. It was just a really crappy dialogue. I tried my best to forget that movie, so but I actually I, didn't remember that line. I feel like that's a nod to this, and it just made me go, oh. <laughs> 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 But, uh, no, that's a, it's a great, it's a great scene, and it's a great line. Um, how did he get out of the freezer, or the, the, uh, pantry? See, that's the other thing, because I think my, my mom and my sister were a little confused with the, the time, and I explained it to them, and then it was like, they made it very subtle early, and then kind of really leaned into it later, but the hotel in not just the literary sense but in a very real tangible sense is its own character yeah okay that's so it it just they just don't do a lot with it i guess they do the blood they do the little spirits and stuff like that but i guess the hotel opened the door yeah that's what i was taking so so in there are more scenes more conversations between him and kind of the ghost of del rey um grady um the hotel is a character. There is some sort of supernatural consciousness in the hotel that okay. within the bounds of the hotel can affect the physical world. Which is why like Danny has bruises on his neck, right? Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, that works. Okay, now they that they that, they that limit its scope a lot more in the movie than they did in the book. They cut one of the really big sequences out of the book. That um, when I was reading it, it's one of those like literally page turner where it's like it's like a ten page like thing, and it's like you're reading and you're like oh, oh like you're like your heart's pounding through your chest like in a way that maybe it never even quite gets to in this movie where I don't can't remember if it was in the maze or it was near the maze because um, there's these topiaries the uh, you know like they're like those um, things that, where like they clip hedges to be in the shape of things mm. um, they try to kill Danny. Um, oh, and it's really one of the most gripping things I've ever read. That whole sequence, um, and they cut that out of this completely. Like they are real, tangible things. But it's one of those things where it was kind of like what we were talking about with it last week, where it's like, what are the rules? Can it come out and get him? Can they move, or is it only like yeah. if you're in arm's reach? Because it's what one of those things where it's rules? like, yeah, he, he's like being chased, but then it's like he turns around and looks, and like they're back in exactly the same position they were in. But there's never really left in doubt that. Had he not gotten away, he probably would have succumbed. And that was an important part of the, something they kind of subsume underneath all of this, where Danny and his shine are... That is what the hotel is actually after. Mm-hmm. And they find out that his power is actually too powerful. And so, rather than... It's kind of like a take your ball and go home situation, where it's like, well, if we can't have your power, then we're going to kill you. And they start to corrupt Jack because he's a much easier target. And gotcha. They, Jack and Danny. use him as a puppet. Jack killed Danny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, it, it's interesting. The the hedge maze or like coming to life and trying to. I I wonder if the choice not to do that had to just do with effects. Like it would have been too. It would have been difficult to do that with practical effects. Definitely. So that which is fair. Like I mean, obviously, like because everything else does does look pretty good. Yeah, um, and even then, like. One of the, the big, kind of like the nerve center for the hotel is the boiler room. 
And we only really get one scene, and I think it's just meant to be a nod to the importance of it when she's in there and Jack has the nightmare and he's screaming. Yeah. Um, That is a recurring place that Jack has to keep going to, and that's kind of where the power of the hotel is concentrated because Mm. the more time he spends there, and he does have to. They're basically like, hey, every couple of days you have to check and make sure the pressure buildup doesn't go up too high. You have to dump it, otherwise it's going to explode. Yeah, it's and, like a, it's kind of like a one-off line about how he has to control the hotel, but they don't really go too far into yeah. it. Yeah, so the more time he spends down there, the more corrupted he becomes. Interesting. And ultimately, that's the change. He doesn't chase Danny out in the wilderness and freeze. Um, he, in a final, there's kind of a final sequence where he's brutalized um, Halloran, but Halloran has survived. Instead of running around with an axe, he's running around with like a croquet mallet. Um... <laughs> And he also has beaten um, the wife badly as well. And he's going after Danny. And Danny finds a way to kind of Luke Skywalker him and bring him back to the light temporarily. Hmm. Um, And in that moment, it wouldn't have worked in the movie because they didn't give you any relationship or any positive relationship between the two of them. But because they had one, like, Jack realizes, like, oh, fuck. I fucked up. And he's like, Danny, run. I'm so sorry, like, remember, like, that I love you. Oh, interesting. The hotel takes back over, and it actually causes him to, like, beat the shit out of himself to, like, kill the good. Huh. And then Danny's like, hey, Mr. Hotel, you're about to explode. And the things, like, what used to be Jack is like, oh, fuck. And it goes to run down to the boiler room, and Danny and the mom and Halloran escape out of the hotel, and before the Jack creature can, like, Fix it, the whole hotel explodes. Okay, so is there an alternate version of this movie where that happens? I don't know. Because I, I feel like I knew that, and then when the movie ended the way that it ended, I was like, huh? Unless to I just had heard about... To my knowledge, what we watched was the theatrical version, because I mean, there's a reason that there's a very famous gif of him being frozen that yeah. like, is a meme, a meme online. So I wonder if it blows up in that adaptation, and maybe I saw it once. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if there's an alternate version of it. Interesting. Uh, okay, so that's so that's the key difference then in the end. Yes. Is the is the is the hotel blowing up? So with the I, like I would have liked the other version better. I, think I mean, I like the other ending. I mean, the the chase through the labyrinth was kind of cool on its own right, but I think overall yeah. it might have been a better finish to it. But again, I, I I wonder if they settled on that ending because of the cuts they made to the script that didn't allow the two of them to have a relationship because that would have fallen a bit flat if all of a sudden he's like, Danny, I love you. And it's like, but when did we establish that exactly? <laughs> all right. Well, now I, I am curious because you had mentioned you weren't sure if the if Doctor Sleep is going to be like a sequel to the movie versus the book. And well, here's the, the thing. I the, saw hotel's, the, the hotel's there, right? I, yeah, the, in that newer trailer, he goes back to the hotel. Like, that's where they're going to okay, have so it. I, I did see that trailer when I saw it. Okay, I didn't see that until today. Yeah, so, like, they kind of okay. make their final stand there. Um, mm-hmm. Because the relationship between Danny and his power and the hotel itself, the two sides recognize that in each other. The hotel itself and Danny, or Tony, at least, recognize that in themselves. And that's why... And Halloran makes an even bigger deal in the book of, hey... Don't go over here. Don't go over there. Don't engage with this thing. And he does a better job of following all of that, I think, overall. Although I think he still does go into room 237 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
Yeah, it's. I I think it's one of those things where um, it, it was important the relationship. Like the hotel realizes early on, oh, I can make uses. I think if I remember correctly, the gist of it was that the hotel wanted to possess him to like have a body to be able to walk out of there, to not be tied to that location. And when it realized it couldn't, like I said, it kind of throws a temper tantrum. Um, as a, and and then vice versa, like. Danny is, he's smart in the movie, but he's even smarter in the book where it's like, he knows this place is bad and like, like he needs to manage his situation as best as possible. That's interesting. I kind of want to read it. Makes me curious. Um, It's a really good book. It's just long. Yeah. Uh, So there's, there are like, were two competing theories that I were reading about, about the ending of the movie version. One being a reincarnation theory of the character jack is like a reincarnation of the same character that has done other horrible things in this hotel over time yep and then the other theory being the hotel claims you after it kills you and you become part of it um so like those were the like the two reasons behind why he would appear in the photograph it was very hotel california right but yeah which (laughs) do you subscribe to either of those theories I don't know. I was always a little confused by that whole thing. Like, the whole, you know, like you've been here the whole time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's there in the picture. And that starts to play around with, like, some, like, time travel stuff. Or even maybe some, like, Cloud Atlas reincarnation type thing, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's probably more that, where it's, like, you embody a person who's very much similar to it. And, like, you kind of keep coming back to the same thing and... Like, different lifetimes. The only problem with that being is that, like, Grady had died, like, that whole massacre thing happened, like, ten years before the events of this. <laughs> that's, yeah, like I feel like that's what kind of throws that out the window. Like, if it was, like, if it was, like, oh, yeah, this thing happened, like, 50 years ago, a lifetime ago, no one here even remembers it, you know what right. I mean? Like, then, what, what then you th- I, you could, like, really lean into that then. What do you think, Jay? I just, I really didn't think that much into it. I was just kind of like, oh, like, that's magic you know <laughs> <laughs> i honestly think that that's picture, that's probably like, a well, yeah yeah I, that might be a better take based on the way the rest of the movie goes like oh it's just like it's just this creepy thing that maybe we're not supposed to fully understand that's the way i took like most of the movie was just like when like the door was open i was like oh it's just haunted it's just it yeah. does what it does like it's not that's I was like, well how did it open i was like it right <laughs> and when you can use haunted as the explanation you don't have to ask further questions no further questions, Your Honor. Magic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I guess since the how how did he get really... in the room? Oh, the the room's haunted and the door open. Got it. Fair enough. <laughs> which which really enough like that like that is yeah. enough like it. The whole point is it's it is attracted to Danny and his power. So it it first sets up the interest like oh that was two thirty seven I can't get in and then it's hey the door's open guy one of in? the most screwed up things that happened in this movie is when Shelley Duvall asks him. You went in there, you didn't see it, there was nothing there, and he says nothing. I was like, you were a liar. Like, <laughs> it bothered me so much. <laughs> yeah, that part bothered me a lot, too. Like, a lot of, the, like, the whole movie, he's, like, messed up and everything. But I was just like, I was like, seriously? Like, you're really going to lie about that one thing, and then your kid has bruises around his neck, and, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to say you saw anything? Listen, he's angry, he's confused, he's drunk on magic bourbon. Yeah. He was just yeah. raped by a dead woman. When He's not he... in a great place. That bothered me probably the most by, like, how did it get placed there? Was they were like, yeah, we took all the alcohol out. And then he was, like, sitting there getting, like, trashed. And I'm like, 
See that like that part I, that didn't sit well with me. I was like, well, how did they get it? I don't. You can't mad. You can't haunt like. It's magic bourbon. I didn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on. Now you're saying that there's rules to haunting. See, that's where it falls. See that part? Of, I know, but like, I had explanations. <laughs> I had an explanation for everything, but that was the one part where I was like, seriously? Like that? I didn't. I don't know. When he. That's that whole scene of him getting drunk. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with that scene, uh, aside from the the fake booze getting him drunk. Uh, when he refers to his wife as the sperm bank, I was like, "Let's kill this guy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's let's just that. end him with an axe." <laughs> yeah, when that happened, I was like, "Oh man!" I don't remember if that was a line in the book or not. I don't. I, I just can't remember. But like, I remember feeling that one physically. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Kim and I both recall. Laugh after. <laughs> That was one of the rougher, like, just, like, absolutely, like, disregarding, like, yeah. disdainful insults I've ever heard. Just like, yeah. Oh. I just, like, I disliked him, I think, like, up until that point. I was just like, I was like, eh, I don't really. That was and the point then of that, I was like, I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm kind of done with this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Kill him. Kill him now. Yeah. Kim was like, did what? he just? I was like, yeah, he did. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. He, he's 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 a creepy dude in that movie. Yeah. He did a good job with it, though. Honestly. Oh, yeah. He's great at being he, creepy. He made you hate him. He made you believe that he was crazy. He also, like, his eyebrows are nuts. I don't know what he does with those things, but they're crazy. They're, his eyebrows are another character. But, like, I honestly <laughs> thought he was crazy the whole time, too. Like, when he was sitting for the interview, and they were, like, explaining the whole thing, and the, they were like... So did you hear about like the met like the the murder of like the family and then he killed himself and he just sits there and he's just like yeah yeah like I don't know, that shouldn't be a problem and he's <laughs> smiling and I'm like I was like did has he like you've been there five minutes is it already bothering you like I don't know it really <laughs> I've, that part I've interviewed a number of people. I know the way that the rest of that day goes. He walks out of the room and he turns to his colleague and he goes, no. Yeah. And then he continued to do it. Like, if he made that, like, face, whatever, just for the point of, like, you know, just leave on a good note, sure. But, like, the (laughs) fact that he went through with it. Well, that's why most, like, interviews, like, you go with multiple people, even if only one of them has hiring power, because it's just trying to get you to crack to see... Does one of these people pick up psycho vibes? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, you know what's a, a, a the, speaking of psycho vibes? He he really was an asshole the entire movie, and like when he calls his wife and she's like, "Did you get the job?" He goes, "Yeah, listen, I'm gonna be home late." I'm like, "That was so dismissive," an <laughs> and it and it made me so mad. <laughs> well, that was another thing they cut out. Where I'm pretty sure I can't remember if it was implicit or explicit, but I'm fairly certain. It was in the book that he, at around the time that he decided to get sober and got fired, I'm pretty sure he cheated on her. And I can't remember uh-huh. if she knew or didn't know, or if it's one of those things where like she had her suspicions, but just kind of let it go because he did commit to the sobriety thing. Interesting. And slight potential spoilers for Dr. Sleep, I think my guess is, and I haven't read it, I said, I've read like one chapter of it. I think that young girl character is Danny's niece. 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 Well, she's quite young, and he's in his 40s, so. Oh, duh. Uh, (laughs) Gotcha. Making one of the other characters I think that, yeah, I think that he has an affair with someone else who teaches at the school. Because there's a whole thing where, like, there's some sort of, like, 
gala, I think. And I think he gets drunk and cheats on her. And that's also around the time when he breaks his shoulder, dislocates his shoulder, and so he gets sober or whatever. And then they leave, and they're in Colorado for a few months, and then they take the job or whatever. And I think in that time that that instance of cheating resulted in a kid out of wedlock. And I think that that person has a child that is going to be that young girl. Gotcha. Interesting. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's my guess based on what I kind of half remember because it's been a good five years since I read the book. And like I said, it's quite long, so... The the thing is like like I said like I found the movie to be mediocre. The story itself is it's like semi interesting. I I am weirdly drawn to figuring out like what's the next part of the story. Whereas beforehand I thought Doctor Sleep looked shitty. Now that I have the context of The Shining, I'm kind of I am I am more curious than I was. Which is before. what I said to you last week. Is yeah. I wonder if once you've seen this, if you're maybe more interested in no, you're hundred percent right. And I I am now I'm curious. Like I don't I'm not like I don't think it's gonna be like a a tremendous film or anything like that. But I think I, I'm gonna I would I do want to see. I'm curious where it goes. Yeah. Um, After you explaining like all like the pieces that were like missing that were kind of like confusing and stuff, it mm-hmm. like makes me want them to remake the movie now and like have all those other pieces and have it more like a par- go part by two the book. Or something. Well, I think it's the other thing is even it's kind of like where I said like I found that reading Cloud Atlas gave me a lot of context for the movie, even though they did change some things because there's a lot of things that they kind of hint at or just gloss over where it's like. Oh, I now get why that matters a lot more than just kind of a detail on the page. Like, I feel like the same thing, like, going in, even though my memory of this book wasn't incredible, I feel like there's a lot of things implicitly that I kind of got that you guys miss because you don't have that context. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, maybe this is good for broadening that where it changes your perspective on some of the things that went down. Hmm. I feel like maybe I'd appreciate the movie better if I did read the book because it just was kind of like, it was just kind of like hollow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't like, I was just kind of like. I'm with you. I don't know. Yeah. Either, I mean, either, either extend it, it like, or. The story didn't go very deep. I didn't feel. Yeah. Um, well, because I mean, like, I guess where you could have done that is maybe the setup for it is a little too long. Right. Well, it takes mm-hmm. time getting to being at the hotel. But at the same time, if they could have dealt with more setup if instead of spending so much time with him him like getting the job and all that Mm -hmm. if they'd spent that time developing the relationship of the actual family unit getting a little moment of them getting like a feel of like because if you get dynamic if you get the family dynamic then all of this has greater context and meaning Mm -hmm. and then that whole descent actually means something because that's really it's all hinges on the family drama really like yeah. the supernatural makes it all interesting. It spices it up, but it hangs on the family drama. And when, from the get go, one of those guys is no, you're just the asshole. It's hard to really hang on every word of every interaction, right? Right. I mean, he did a good job playing the asshole and everything. But oh it was yeah. Just like, I felt like there was like more to it that there should have been. It was just kind of like, and there is. Yeah. Yeah, having that context from you actually does make a difference for it. It's 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 interesting. Like I wonder if like. But- if you went back and watched this again in like a few months, knowing this stuff, if you might change your perception slightly of the movie. Um, I, if I got myself in the right mindset, I would. I'd probably be able to do that, but I, I think the material needs to stand on its own, and it, it, it makes some mistakes by not introducing those mm-hmm. ideas. No, definitely, I, I, I agree. And, yeah. But those yeah, you're right. If, that... I, if I want, if I want to, if I want to enjoy it more, I could go back with that context. There's something else I wanted to talk about, because um, it does feel like we're kind of heading towards yeah. the end. And this will be kind of a maybe 
a left turn that'll we can get some content. I'm not looking to just pad it out. It was something that I found really interesting that caused me to do my own little deep dive okay. into something entirely different that I feel like it was like, oh, wow, my initial perception is, I think, maybe kind of right. Um, so you remember when they're going through um, the initial tour of the hotel together? And yep. eventually they split up, right? And it's Halloran with Danny, mm-hmm. and it's the two guys, I don't remember their names, um, taking... Is was, was Wendy? I keep forgetting her name. I've just been calling her, like, the wife or the mom. Wendy. Yeah, it's Wendy, right? Wendy. Wendy and Jack are going with the two guys who, like, run the hotel, right? And she, they show them the apartment, right? And then, oh, you know, this room looks so nice for a, a kid. And, oh, we have a, you know, a bathroom and a, and a refrigerator and all that sort of stuff. And the final scene before they cut back to Halloran, I think it's when they cut back to Halloran, starting to explain The Shining to Danny, right? They do this, they like, he goes, oh yeah, like this is great, or whatever. And I don't remember what the exact line is, but the two of them are standing next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, and they do a fade to white as they then set up the next scene. And it was so weird, because I don't usually think like this exactly, but for, like, I was like, you know what, that kind of struck me as very... It reminded me of, a, like, American Gothic, the painting. You know, the mm-hmm. one with the, is the farmer. And mm-hmm. yeah. I've actually, I always assumed it was his wife, but in my, analysis, or in my research, I found out that I believe it was actually intended to be his daughter. But I guess it could be read as either okay. one. It doesn't really matter. It's not an important detail. The point is that it's a family unit. Um, I was like, oh, that seems very American Gothic. So I started looking into the background of the painting, and I was expected to be... To find out, like, no, I'm just crazy. It's just two people standing next to each other. And I actually feel better about my initial perception. So, picture what the scene that you're actually seeing. They're zoomed in. They're shoulder to shoulder. There's very limited background. But the background is kind of a throwback environment. It's not really a contemporary yeah. thing. It's a man and his wife. I think initially it was intended to be a daughter. The actual painting itself, uh, it was the guy's name was... I think Grant Wood was the guy who painted the painting. I think it was in 1930. He was just driving around, um, and I think it was in Pennsylvania or something like that, and he saw this, I think it's Carpenter Gothic, also known as American Gothic style house, in a field. And he's like, wow, this is like a really nice, sturdy house, and it gave him inspiration or whatever. And the two people pictured are his sister and his dentist. They just, for whatever reason, fit the whatever that, what he painted. And when it came out, it was actually panned by the people in the area because they thought that they were being mocked. Like, oh, because it looks very, like, backwoodsy, mm-hmm. like, rural, like, simpleton type stuff. And the, the, the painter said, no. It's, they're standing firm before their, like, sturdy house. Like, their resilience in the face of, this is 1930. This is a year or so into the Great Depression settling in. And it was meant to be a testament to their resilience. Like, we're going to make this through our own, like, strong... Like, they're not slouching. They, they look, like, stead in their expression. But, like, it's... We got this cover. We're going to do what we got to do type of thing. Mm. And it's, like I said, it's meant to symbolize resilience in the face of looming trials. And in that scene, right, they're about to embark on a seven months of isolation mm-hmm. right. in a hostile environment... The two of them and their kid. I think that that is intentional. That they shoot that scene that way. Like, hey, we're going to make this. And then it's watching. That's kind of cool. Will they or won't they? It is really cool, actually. I like that. Nice. 
It was funny because I was like, I saw it and I was like, I don't know I why like that sh- like a, struck me as that. My um, art history class in high school. What's that? I felt like I was in my art history class <laughs> in high school. <laughs> did you Hopefully more have, interesting than that. Did you look um, that up and find out if there's any anything to that? I didn't. I ran out of time. Um, I had a lot to do today, including just with this sort of stuff. And it is something I want to get back into and look at. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. It took me a while to get those answers. But even if it's even if it wasn't intentional, there's so much in art. And cinema is art. This movie is its own art form. Kubrick was a hell of a director. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you subconsciously do those things, and maybe you realize it later on, or someone else realizes it later on. But when you talk about people reading into the text, whether it be an actual book or painting or movie or whatever. No, but I found this. So I wasn't wrong because she just found a picture of American Gothic and they photoshopped their faces on. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's awesome. And he's holding he's holding an axe instead of the axe. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things where like just because it wasn't the intended thing, at least maybe not consciously, doesn't mean that it isn't real and valid. Like right. that sort of thing happens all the time where someone will come to a director or a writer or whatever and say, Hey, this is what I got out of this. And it's like, you know what? That wasn't my intention, but the way you now that you say it, yeah, that totally fits. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty great. I I'm glad that you brought that up. That's really cool. Now thinking about that, it's it, it fits so well, and it makes it, it it's just a, it makes it such a great scene. If that's the case, cool. Uh, any any closing thoughts on this movie? Well, actually, I was going to ask you. Um, you said you wanted to talk a little bit more about like cinematography and camera. Oh yeah. This. Um, just uh, wait. Yeah. Hang on, Gianna's got a thought. What do you got, I did Gianna? Have a thought. There was I kept thinking about this. Like there was like a like a camera sort of thing that they were doing that like kept making me like laugh. Like, I don't know if it was supposed to be for dramatic effect or if they, like, were doing that. But, like, they just kept, like, randomly, like, in, like, a kind of, like, either if it was, like, supposed to be, like, oh, you, this might be scary and then end up not being zoom-ins. scary. Like, the zoom-ins. Yeah. And I kept thinking, I, like, literally laughed every time they did it. So this kind of goes hand in hand with what you just, what Al just brought up. I feel like it has a lot to do with the the face of the people as well. Like, you, like, in, like, a, in a portrait. Right, mm-hmm. like you, you can you can read so much into it. There are the the times where they zoom in; they're generally zooming into someone's face, like very close up. So you can really just they want you to he wants you to take that particular thing in, like just that reaction. They do it with Danny a lot, um, mm-hmm. and it's just like in case you. I feel like it's almost like a like a resetting point. In case you're feeling X, this is how you need to feel right now. But that, <laughs> that, that I feel like that's what like. It was almost that's what it felt like to me was like resetting just to make sure that like everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. But that's I, I definitely was like when it was happening, I, there, there was a couple of them where I just where I did laugh out loud because um, it was so abrupt. Talking, talking <laughs> about what you said about zooming in, not necessarily the, the action of zooming, but just holding in focus, especially like the scene we were talking about where Wendy is reading his quote unquote manuscript, which is just him in different like constructions like physical constructions of where the sentence is like where all of them are just in line some of them were like right like diamond, pyramid, diamond yeah. shapes like yeah you know. yeah yeah and i think it was cool how they must have really just had someone doing it as quickly as possible because there was misspellings yeah. in some of them yeah. mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. which kind of helps with the whole like, how crazy he is <laughs> yeah um but the way they shot that scene where they kept they were shooting it from you were in the perspective of the page because you were looking up at her as she's yeah. looking down and reading the page and you don't mm-hmm. see it. That's and a great shot. I think it's a great shot and they kept coming back to it and they were pivoting and showing her from behind and then they were showing mm-hmm. her from the side and 
you're like, uh, you, it's one of those things like they're building the church. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna happen. And the music is doing like that. It's almost the Dark Knight like swell, like crescendo, like really slow burn, like swell of just like that. And they did that a few times, right? Yeah. And it was usually more when like The Shining was gonna happen, where it's just like that. Yeah. And it's building. Um, and you keep waiting for a jump scare, jump scare, jump scare, and none of it, it never pays off. And then it's finally. Him creeping out. It's like, I knew there was yeah. something that happened. But that happened. Still wasn't even a jump scare, though, because, like, they did, like... Well, because they... Want, they're, like, they're getting but the, I liked right. it, though. I, I, that was so thing I definitely liked. They're getting to the point where it's like, just do it. Just scare me already. Just, yeah. come on, I can take it. Do, yeah. do, do, do it already. Do it. <laughs> The, like, that nope. that almost like that like parallax effect where he's he's standing still she's standing still but they're sliding the camera right as he as his shadowy figure enters the frame like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like it's almost like a motion comic and I yeah. I love that like it's it is really creepy and that's that's the scene I was talking about earlier before we got into spoiler territory where it was just like that's that's the it, that creeps me out because then that's the point where you're ahead of the character that you were in the shoes of just a moment ago and you know what's happening next but she doesn't it's like you can't and you almost feel like you want to shout out to her but you can't because it's a movie <laughs> it's very it's very creepy there's, there's a lot of the uh, the color palette is is consistent <laughs> throughout the movie which is really cool like i just feel like the the cinematography and the directing was just like uh, i i just the i really do think it's 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 really well done as far as the movie as a whole i think the movie I, i'm not like super into the movie as a whole but those there are aspects of it that i i can really appreciate well there was another thing i noticed that they did a lot early and then again at the end and you understand it especially at the end where it's during the chase sequence not just through the house, but especially through the maze at the mm-hmm. end, where it makes it feel like you're part of the chase. Yeah. And sometimes it feels like you're from the perspective of, I'm being chased. And sometimes it feels like you're from the perspective of the chaser. But what I found more interesting is there's times where it feels like you're being drawn in as like a party to it. Because you're already yep. the audience. It's not just showing it to you as an audience. It feels like you're a character in the story who is like it maybe you're one of the premonitions where it's like you're there you're actively yeah. participating but you can't affect what's going on mm-hmm. and i noticed that effect first especially during the tour of the hotel there were certain scenes where the camera is meant to feel organic like you're walking mm-hmm. through the tour like you're taking a video tour and the stakes are low then but it feels very organic and humanistic of like hey yep. we're walking through amongst this group of people doing it and then the same thing it feels like you're chasing Danny, but not that you're trying to catch Danny, but rather you're there to try and help protect him, but you can't. Like, you're trying to run as, like, interference between him and Jack. Right, you're but Tony. But you can't actually affect it, so instead you have to deal with that level of horror where it's like, you can't I'm help right anything. here, exactly, but I can't help. Yep. No, it, you're 100% right. It is, it, it's pretty cool. The, they do some some interesting trickery with that. And and the fact that you... I think that's what maybe adds to it is you the fact that you switch perspective so many times is interesting. And even the same thing, too, where like you, sometimes it feels almost like voyeuristic, uh-huh. some of the shots. Like the scene where he's in a like towering rage, and actually it's another one of my favorite GIFs um, online, is when he's storming through the basement and he throws everything off of that yep. table. And then later, when she's running through the hotel, she sees all the stuff is still laid out there, even though I think that was a different day. But the hotel is so big that like no one has walked back through there 
and cleaned right. it up. All the shit is just still sitting there. Ah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I will say though, I've never understood, and I don't remember if it was in the book or not. The whole guy in the bear costume blowing that other guy. So weird. I have no idea yeah, what that is. They never. Hmm. I remember. I think, what is, what was it? What is it you said exactly last night when we were watching it? Well, it, it is mom, a little weird watching it, that yeah. with our mom in the room. I was like, it's. Because when you were saying it before, like, I honestly didn't know what was going on. Like, I literally took the, like, I was like, oh, it was just, like, two guys hanging out, one with a mask <laughs> on. And then in the next one, there was a little more head movement. And I was like, oh, so he's, like, you know, doing some, you know. What? Yeah, she said. He's, like, doing some, like, pleasure action. Yes. Pleasure action. She didn't say, he, why is a guy in a bear costume pleasuring him? She said, why are there a guy in a bear costume and there's... I don't know what to, how to say this. There's pleasure going on or something like that. <laughs> because at first I literally just didn't get it at all. And then I like, because I was just, I don't know. It just freaked me out that there was. Or it was like a scene of pleasure to, yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> I funny. I was trying to find the best way to say it. And there is no way to say it. But Well, I think I said it right earlier. There was a man in a bear costume filleting another man. Okay, but that word didn't come to my head at that time. I was just in shock. No, ple- <laughs> pleasure action. <laughs> pleasure action. Like, I wanted some explanation for that. Or is it just trying to, like, give, like scare you some more? Like, I don't know what it was meant That, that reminds me of, of two separate things that are kind of related. Um, you know the comic XKCD, right? Uh-huh. Um, do you, are you familiar with that comic? Nope. It's all stick figures. It's written by a guy who literally is a rocket scientist who worked for NASA. And it's funny, although a lot of the it's jokes really, are very like nerdy dark. and mathy. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's, like, dark humor. So, Sometimes, but that's not really like the overriding. I feel like that's, a, that's a different one I'm thinking but, of. Then. So he has a book, it might be his most recent book that he wrote, called The Thing Explainer. And it was describing incredibly con- complex things, but he was only able to use a set of like a hundred words. So he has to explain incredibly complex things in the most bland way possible. It was like, I think he looked online, it was like the most. It was like the hundred most commonly used words in the English English language. He could only use those words to explain like twenty incredibly complex <laughs> things, including literally rocket science. So it was like you know, like the nail hammerer, like you know, like you know, type of thing. Like like he had to do like say things stupidly like that, and it reminded me of like when you like like you said, I couldn't think of a word that wasn't like he was giving him a blowjob. Yeah. So instead, it was like the pleasure thing that's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh and it reminded God. me of a conversation that we were having um, at the bar a couple of weeks ago where you remember you told Dominic that, and I won't say the name of the teacher, the English teacher that we all had, that you said you saw or someone you knew saw she had something to do with sex toys. Oh, yes. So give Anthony some backstory to that without using any names okay. or, or names of schools. Okay, so a teacher from my high school. That me and Dominic also had when we were in high school. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't when I had her. I had her the year before this. But there was a big thing going around on Snapchat at the time where... So I guess there was a substitute teacher that was in that that day. And she had left her dream journal or whatever sort of journal or grocery list journal. We never really found out, but it um, was left open and I guess... The substitute teacher that was in there for the day never closed it or never moved it. She just kind of stared at it all day. But finally, I guess she was out of the room for a second and one of the kids was behind the desk doing something. And they looked down at the journal and it said, like, 
like sex toy list and it had like all sorts of like different things and yeah i probably oh screenshot it somewhere because i was going around everywhere like on snapchat and then she had to like make this big apology and whatever and she oh my just- god <laughs> so speaking of tr- trying to come up with different ways to say things or that when you get the mental block and can't say the word sex toys dominic was recounting this story a couple of weeks ago a few of us were out at like the bar and he couldn't think of the word sex toys and so instead what came out was Porn devices? Porn devices. <laughs> <laughs> so that, That's amazing. That has now become his fantasy football team name, the Porn Devices. That's she great. also has a podcast. Does she really? Wow. She does. Um, I don't know what it's about. But yeah, as soon as he said it, all of us were like dying laughing. And I was like, man, I think that's got to be my, my fantasy football team name now. That's such a great expression. It's like also... Not that it comes up often, but if that like expression ever comes up, if sex toy ever comes up, I'm never gonna be able to say sex toy from now on. I'm porn gonna specifically yeah, call yeah. it porn devices. I think you, we all need you, to make you it concerted... hope that it comes up more often so that you can say it. Yes, the one time a year where you may think the that expression, you need to all use porn device instead of sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Anything else? I feel like you had one more thing you wanted to bring up. Uh, no, not really. I think that's good for me. What about you? G? Um, yeah, I didn't like her teeth, but... It's <laughs> 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 just the whole time, the whole movie, I thought I would get over and get used to it. The, the teeth are, they're a little rough to get. Yeah, that's, it's, it's tough. It, they, uh, they're very prominent. Very prominent. Yeah. Uh, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flixin 6 at spintune.com or tweet us at the spintune. We'll be on a break for the few weeks while I travel, but Flixin the 6 will return with more movie, beer, and pleasure actions. And poor devices. <laughs> Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. I'm Gianna Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. <laughs>